I always say we're back like there's two of us. Sometimes it might be two people. Sometimes it might be one person. But to, but this week, I got my guy. That's right, my guy. You know him as... I don't know how you know him, but he's my you know guy. <laughs> I got my guy, J. Anthony Roman, in the building. I hope Spotify clears that. I hope Apple clears that. Yeah, we're going to get a letter, cease and desist. <laughs> you guys did that thing in the front. <laughs> <laughs> Who is J. Anthony Roman? Um, one, he's one of my best friends on the planet. Two, he's a Puerto Rican. Three, well, I guess one, you, you identify as male. Yeah. Puerto Rican guy who's my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> now, welcome back. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the last couple of episodes. You've got to catch up if you haven't. Um, this is Whose Podcast Is This? I am your host, the Millennial Hippie. And um, thanks for tuning in. And today, we're going to continue the conversation, as we always do, about wellness. Last week, I was talking about my experience with rheumatoid arthritis and how that journey has led me to be a little bit more educated through massage and the different pathologies that uh, benefit, that massage can benefit in, in the healing process. But also, there's, you know, self-care is also mental health as well and I know a lot of um, a lot of times for a long time our society seems to think that like men don't have feelings and things of this nature and it's very untrue and it's caused sort of like this um, issue where people men in particular don't want to address certain things or identify that sometimes their relationships, be it with family or with friends or in or romantically, may have some effect to how their mental health is in general and how they perceive themselves. Because it's all about self, right? And so no one can make someone else happy. So that's what we're going to get into this week. And um, we're not going to just jump right into it. I mean, I think you, the listeners should know a little backstory on how we met. Because that's a mental health... <laughs> 100%. It actually falls in that category. That's the thing. Everything, everything is mental health, really, because we, we're, you have a brain, and you have thoughts, and you have a conscious and a subconscious, and it affects how you move, and your environment um, definitely shapes who you are, and your upbringing, foundation. So all that plays a, a, a part, because... Some of us know we got some interesting family dynamics, and everyone does. There's like there's no perfect family. Some families are just way more uh, different than others. <laughs> some things are the norm in some people's families that are absolutely taboo in other families, and so that's all that. But yeah, I mean, let's talk a little bit. How do we get, how do we meet each other? Yeah, well, it's funny that you mentioned family. Cause, um, yeah, go into that if you want. You know, that's definitely, definitely, I consider, you know, you and, uh, you know, 
100%. Um, you know, one of my partners, you know, in life as well as like artistically. Well, um, but besides that, you know, we have we have a little bit of an extended family because, you know, we met in we met in high school. So like our high school experience is a little bit probably different than other people's high school experience where our school really only had you know we started we had a at full capacity we were at 500 students because our school started the year that we started as freshmen so we were the first class so there were only like 190 something 160 something yeah so we got to know each other in that first year and those following four years a lot so it's because I don't, you know, to this day, I'm still connected to a lot of people from high school. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people might think, oh, that's bad. You know, you never moved on. But it's kind of different in our case. Like, we were very much in the, like, in this Petri dish together, in this weird sort of high school experiment. <laughs> we had no windows. Like, there were a lot, like, everyone's from every single different part of the city. There's no real criteria to get in. But there we all were. Um, all different types too, like ethnically, like personality wise, like from all over the road. So we were sort of like, you know. So I, I love the fact that I'm still connected with a lot of these people because you know we we all went through some crazy shit together in those four years in that place. Um, that also included a lot of trauma sometimes. Um, so yeah, you know, and and how we met specifically was, and we were talking about this before, you know, we sort of like started. Is that uh, you and I had the same Columbia pullover sort of rain rain jacket? Was it the rain? I felt like it was. Was it the rain jacket or was it the? It was kind of like the not. It wasn't a park. It was a bomber. It, it was like a purple yeah. bomber with like multicolored fleece in the interior. It was a pullover for sure. I remember it was that. a pullover, and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I remember. I remember this so vividly. So I know you have your end, but like, if I could just paint this picture. So we're 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 going. Shout out to H Labs. Shout, shout out to uh, Mr. Spots, Randy. Shout out to everybody. That whole crew, Ms. Cohen, everybody. We um. We were at Ninety Trinity when when the school started, and we were in the basement. We were in the basement. It was like. It was, it was it was like an experiment. We were in the basement like moles, and every class yeah no <laughs> class had any windows, and so our lunchroom was it had a, it had an interesting vibe to it though. Weird. Did it have like it just an interesting weird. vibe? It was kind of like it was it looked first of all it looked like some starship Star Trek. Yeah, it looked like a Star Trek <laughs> mess hall without, <laughs> without the view to the beautiful universe. We had no view. Period. We just had that. Weird industrial looking, and that was this is the weirdest lunchroom I've ever seen. I've been in a lot of school lunchrooms. Yo, this was this was this was before it's before but after it's time. So we're <laughs> so I don't know what they used it for back then. We gotta Google what ninety Trinity was before they let us in there. <laughs> it was an NYU. It was like an it was an office building. Then it became an NYU building. I heard, and then us. Yeah, we gotta double check what they were doing with NYU. Why were there no windows in that? I don't. That's the part that. Why would you put people down there, especially kids? <laughs> this is what they do in New York. This is what they do with your kids. Send your kids to public school. Mental illness immediately, more trauma kicks in. Put these teenagers in the basement. So, I'm sitting across from you in the lunchroom. We're we're at the first table, 
that's next to where you pick your food up. Oh, I definitely felt we 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 saw each other's we saw the sweat we saw the ja- the jacket on. Oh yeah, we made eye contact. It was. And I was like, oh. It was, uh, and I and I say, it, I was like, and I go, you wearing a girl's jacket, <laughs> just like that. I was like, you wearing a girl's unsolicited. No one's talking about this jacket. Here I go, you wearing a girl's jacket, and I remember thinking though. How's this guy gonna respond back? It was a very short. It was a very short, short, short thought, quick thought because you didn't respond. You're wearing a boy jacket. <laughs> <laughs> and then what do you do with that? Where are we going with that? Why did I even start it? Right? Because I don't. But I just love the way you responded back to me, and I just was like, "Oh, this kid's mad cool. Like, <laughs> he's not gonna like cry about." There's no beef. There's just we just understanding. It was a me like immediate understanding. I was like, oh man, I gotta watch out for this one, like, for sure, for sure. And I had, I did have to watch out for this one. <laughs> you used to you used to take heads out, man. Um, but like as this sort of connects to sort of mental health, it was like, what do they? What do you mean by that for people listening? Because I don't want them to think I'm some assassin. <laughs> no, 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 like. You know, I'm not, what, I'm not a bully. Yeah, you know, whatever, man. We we New York City kids coming from that era, so the the lunchroom was a battleground for dissing, and you know, pulling each other down a peg. So Alexis would be holding her own roasting. Against, yeah, roasting. I'd be roasting heads. That's to, what Comedy Central calls it. Right. Yeah, Alexis would be roasting heads to death, and I'd be like, oh man, I'm glad I'm sitting here watching this because <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Men will be brought to tears, but, but you know, look at that. I mean, you know, it's two two kids see each other wearing the same clothes. You know, we came from probably maybe a different environment of you know, I don't know, trees and sunshine and wide open spaces. We might have been like, hey, we're wearing the same clothes. Let's be friends, twinsies. Yeah, we were like, oh, what the hell are you doing with my clothes on? Yeah, and you know, speaking of <laughs> speaking of that type of mentality, speaking of that type of mentality, I never forget, I don't even know if you could say names, but there was, there was, a, there was a young lady who, oh man, I can't remember her name actually right now anyway, but she was a little rough around the edges. <laughs> And I remember I came into school with the Deion Sander Nikes. And she's like, oh, so-and-so has those on. She said she's going to beat you up. And I remember going up to this person. Again, I'm not going to just say I'm not gonna just say names because I don't want to, like, put people out there. But, like, um, it, it was. And she's like, so I remember going up to her in class and being like, you said you're gonna beat me up, cause I, cause I'm more like I'm more I'm more one of these people like you don't even make any sense. Like so when I so, so when I go up to people, it's like a little harsh because um it's sarcasm, and it's kind of condescending, cause it was like so I my I was like, you're gonna beat me up, because I have the same sneakers on as you. It was like, you can't be so fuck stupid. Excuse my language. That was kind of what the thought was. You know, yeah. like you can't be so damn stupid. Um, and then her not being on that, like, matter of fact, she comes from the hood. Like, she came from Farragut Projects as mm-hmm. opposed to my, me being raised in Park Slope. Like, so it was like she came from the hood, but she was completely not a fighter in that sense. You yeah. know, it's like, no, I didn't say that. So and so is, 
it's, it's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, that chick is fucking, that chick is crazy. That chick is nuts. Yeah, I mean, we had a lot of situations in our school where someone can be, you know, classified as, I don't know, I guess not normal. Um, our school had a chronic masturbator. Um, oh, the, oh, boy. In the back of the classes that Woo. he was, he had to go. Um, we had... Uh, we had someone pooping. Oh, man. And smearing it. The shit spreader. That's... We had some pooping uh, and... That person wrote words, wrote words with 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 feces on, on walls. Uh, yeah, interesting, uh, interesting little experiment. High school was. <laughs> wow, and that's the thing; it ch- it changes the generations. But I think that was the start of a lot of things, because um, you don't really identify too many things. When you're when you're that young, because you're you're usually in your own world, you know. But in looking back on it, everyone came from such different family backgrounds, um, and different levels of trauma in some way. Listen, trauma's trauma. Trauma's whether you fall down, God forbid, and hurt yourself. That's a trauma. Trauma is seeing someone, you know in a violent situation trauma is a bunch of different things it's disease trauma to the body anything to the nervous system that will create a trigger reaction and chemically alter can uh is considered a trauma i'm not that's i don't know if that was scientific that's my uh layman's term breakdown because at the end of the day we are affected by everything even if we want to tell ourselves that doesn't bother you me you know, so yeah. So we're gonna get into a break and come back and do it like that. Whose podcast is this? Whose podcast is this? So we're back. I'm with Jay Anthony Roman. Yeah, you. Um, did I tell you he was a writer? He's good. Ben Lex. He's good. I get to work with him sometimes. Uh, yeah, so I've written um, mostly... Uh, I'm, I'm writing uh, mostly screenplays and teleplays, that kind of stuff now. Um, I've written a lot of fiction. I've written a lot of plays. Um, yeah. That's what you got. So that's the thing. Let's, in, in the mental... Um, health space in the wellness space which again in high school we don't even know that this is a thing that we're doing but to speak a little bit more on our relationship and where where it grew from that oh you were in the same no we were in the same jacket thing how or what our creative outlets were which is also a part of mental health in terms of being able to balance the things that you do experience in life with the stuff that calls from the inside out that you want to share with people and how did we discover a common ground though like not like a like oh yeah you do that like let's do yep. that was it was it mr cabot or uh no no it was earlier than that um okay so and this is funny because this will lead definitely to you know something that connects with like wellness um because uh, the next time i remember us sort of like really sort of starting to like bond on stuff was the someone in our school uh, 
we didn't have a theater and I was sort of getting interested in, in wanting to do some stuff like that. Um, and Oh, right. We were in the basement, but we shared a building with economics and finance. Yeah. So and they had, they had access to the theater. Yeah. So they finagled me doing like two different plays. And the second one, we got to, you know, you were like a cast member. Right. Um, and, and part of that. So that was fun. And then like that led to me getting into the repertory uh, company oh, right. over the summer. Right. And that's when we really joined forces. Right, because I attended there with you as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was dope. So that was, a, that was uh, and I don't know if the summer, is the summer youth employment program still around? I don't know. Anyway. Why, we got paid to be there? Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. What yeah. did I do with those checks? Yeah. <laughs> I think we saw Jurassic Park a thousand we times We did see that Jurassic summer. Park because it was, it was down the street. We were at Park West. Right. Part with high school. We were used to the basement because that's damn sure where we were <laughs> down there. Yeah. And yeah, the, the, this <laughs> program was in the basement of Parkwood High School and down the block from what was the $5, uh, whoop, it started at the $2 movie theater yes. and was a $5, made its way up to the $5 movie theater before it was closed. It's now the um, United Stages Theater. Uh, they do like Broadway revivals there. Oh, okay. Um, At least it's not a condo. No, no, no. Uh, so, so we're, yeah, so that's, that, that program let us do different things. At that point, Alexis, uh, was involved with film. At that point, I was only involved in theater. So I did the theater right. stuff. yeah. You did the film stuff. I did the film stuff. I wanted to, um, <clears throat> I was so curious as to what was going on behind the scenes. Like, how does this all, very early. Um, and then, you know what I got to do when I was there? I don't know, um, if I ever like expressed this when I was there, but looking back on it too, I started off in tap dance. Oh, we did that. And <laughs> I, I that Danced. was something that I did like when I was when I was like four and five, and, like Alvin Ailey, like going to these dance classes in Brooklyn and dancing there, and and then to come back to high school and they give us this sheet and say you know pick a major and then pick your you know, your electives or your other subjects you want to learn and to get back to tap was really cool. But you know what's so funny? I loved being the class comedian. I know the term is class clown. Um, and, but, you know, I know it's a little rude to disrupt the class. This is where I, this <laughs> why I find it myself being a comedian because it, it was all about timing whenever I said anything. And, it was fun. I think maybe those situations led to more creativity in an environment when we got back that wasn't really conducive for... So maybe we should have been in LaGuardia. Well, that's what happened to me, you know, and this is where, like, you know, like, I... Okay, so I would say in ninth grade, like, that, that first year that we were together there, like, I wasn't much of a class anything. I didn't, right. I didn't really say much. Right, um, you were super quiet. And then, like, went to repertory, and I had such a good experience there. After that... Hold on. Yeah, sorry. And we back. Yeah, so, um, yeah, ninth grade, you were a quiet guy. Uh, well, I had such a good experience that summer after at repertory, you know, where, you know, I was on stage... You know, even doing stupid 
dance, tap dance routines. Like for me, I I, I didn't go to Ava Nelly. Like that was just crazy. Um, you know, and yeah, we had to do all, we had to do everything. Like I remember taking taking that film class. I didn't have to work on a project for that, but you know, yeah, we had to take it. So all that creativity, all that all the, those outlets, and then after that, I went back to the neighborhood. Program was over, and I, yo, that had like that affected me. Really? Like, yeah, because. You know, there I was, you know, going to, like, you know, Midtown every day to, like, learn all this cool stuff. And then, you know, a week, a couple of weeks later, you know, I'm back in Richard Queens. Right. And nothing is going on, you know? It's just, you know, a bunch of dudes hanging out in the street. Yeah. So, you know, like, that seemed just like a fucking desert to me. You know, yeah. after all, doing all that stuff, so I, that got me like that's a, one of the first times where I just had real sort of like an intense sort of like you know intense anxiety, um, just where like you know thinking about <laughs> living the life that I was living every day without sort of like having an outlet, you know, like all these artistic things that we're doing seemed really depressing to me. Um, and I would say that had a profound, like, effect on, like, my personality. Because, like, after that, I'm like, well, I'm not living, you know, bore. I'm not going to live this boring life, um, you know, or this sort of, like, desperate life out here, you know, in the hood, like, when there's all this other stuff I want to be involved in. So even, like, when we got back to school in September, like, I was still in that mode. Right. And, you know, that's where, you know, we became the, the tag team of class comedians. <laughs> and we ran that ran that game to the uh, superlatives <laughs> and in the yearbook, man. You got to be consistent. Consistency <laughs> is breeds uh, success. And, and for me, it... Um, I just wanted to do more of it, I guess, in the same way, and but and on a smaller scale, because I was coming back to Park Slope, on a smaller scale, it was really the circle of friends that I had, and like who I was spending time with, and like them not having the same. And here's the crazy part: it's it was it was part as I think about it, it was definitely part like they're not creatives. And so, what am I doing with around these these people? I love them, right? But then the other part was like, they also don't want certain things the way I want them, or want to attack life the way I'm attacking, or I thought I'm I'm attacking life, right? Because it's all perception. But it's not so much being um, that changed my personality too. I think that made me a lot more bolder because I also. I, you know, those are my peoples all the way to college. Mm-hmm. So, in some interesting way, in terms of mental health, learning how to survive, how to be happy, finding balance of some sort, I hung out with them probably far too longer than... Because you know, at the time, you know when something's going to end. Like, you knowing when, after high school, you're going to move on in your direction and things like this. But no, but realizing how important it is, even in that moment, like you want to be hanging out with like-minded people because that helps 
It helps you continue to explore. Yeah. Like, you know, the people that we knew in high school, you know, they're, that's, it's, yeah, it's like, you know, all right, that's, that's family. We, we, you know, we know them for so long. I'll, I'll always know them. But, you know, at that point I knew, I'm like, all right, you know, I need more than one tribe, maybe. Right. You know, like to, to sort of like fulfill what's going on in my life and in my head. Right. Obviously, I need this. Right. You know, it was, you know, to the point where like, okay, I'm away from it. I got crazy depressed. Right. You know, to the point where, you know, like, yo, it was like scary depressed. Yeah. Like, and, you know, as a teenager, it's like 10 times more intense. Right. So, you know, I was like, all right, I need to go out seeking something here. There's something missing in, in my life. And like, you know, eventually, you know, that led to joining the, you know, the youth theater and like almost that, that almost became, you know, more of a primary crew for me. Right. Because those were, those, those were like-minded people. Right. You know? Um, so yeah, like that saved me a lot. Like, I think if I didn't find these sort of artistic outlets outside of school, because um, our school didn't have anything uh, at that point, you know, I, like, I think it, like those years I would have not looked back as fond as, as I do now. And how do I mean you? You started cat first, like it was like that was a. That's the Cabot thing. That yes, Cabot, yeah. Our our English teacher, he our high school English teacher, yeah, Mister Cabot, like he would let me do impersonations before class started. Yeah, that was the first like really probably cool teacher I guess in 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 that school. Uh, I mean, there were, there were, there were cool people before, like Mr. Mazza, but he got indicted and Yo, got arrested and dude. went away. <laughs> and so we, we, you know, shout out to that guy because let me tell you something. <laughs> that us, baby. Listen, you know what? <laughs> Looking back at high school, there's a couple of things that we need to clear up right now that we H laps high school for leadership and public service. The Millennial Hippie, a.k.a. Alexis, J. Anthony Roman. I'm telling you right now, Jerry Springer, if you're listening, <laughs> you need to know this because this is important. So we talk about experiment. A- Anthony talks about high school being a Petri dish. We're speaking about mental well health and wellness. Petri dish of crazy kids. Petri dish of craziness and crazy kids. Let's take this up a notch from we're in the basement of some of 90 trinity look you guys did what you could let's we're not gonna poop on anyone like shout out to donald shupak great idea great great man good stuff but let's talk about what that journey was like as a student because no one speaks on it because whose podcast is this so at the end of the day it boils down to we're an experiment for what they started doing in early 2000 with high school, where they rang some alarm and said, wait a minute, there's asbestos. So we get shuffled off. I don't even know how long it was because it was so long ago. Two, we were two months. We were away. It felt like yeah. 10 years. Yeah. So we were two mm-hmm. months in, in the old Stuyvesant High School, which was on... West 16th Street. Which must have had asbestos itself. Well, the being that they made a new Stuyvesant, not too far away from H-Laps in, in 90 Trinity. Yeah, right? So 
they they put like what like five other high schools in this yeah, yeah in in yeah. Stuyvesant in the old Stuyvesant High School, and that was the first like wait a minute what are you guys doing here because shortly after that, of course we were class of ninety seven so after graduating, somewhere in like oh four oh five I want to say that's when they be, started merging high schools together and. This school, you know, this school that's known for this would have six schools in it, you know, and it's this and that. There, so looking back, it's like okay, we were definitely an experiment for that because that felt like an experiment. That felt like we were being tested and on some lab rat levels. <laughs> the other thing, Jerry Springer, I'm going right back to you, is being on Channel Four News at five, <laughs> NBC, because this darling of a TV crew came to our school and Tony and I did have the opportunity we produced that we were you were like wrote it producers we were well yeah we we were called producers I want my producer credit for this episode because it definitely ended up on 5 o'clock news (laughs) so here's you want to know how the fights on Jerry Springer show started this is how they started they started at a high school because the show was about these people on that our classmates were getting honor students and some of them had a little rougher background than the others but they were all a students okay and the break fight breaks out on stage and that's all that's what made it to the news and next thing you know jerry springer the show's born it can you can you can laugh listening to this you can think jerry springer you know what i'm talking about <laughs> Well, I mean, it was Jerry Springer used to be a normal sort of talk talk show. It was before before we popped it off on <laughs> Channel Four because the, these two guys want to go at it, and yeah, one was from the hood. Um, he did. He was he was from the hood. He was from Brownsville. He was yeah. from a, a very dangerous hood, and especially back in the nineties, like he was from the hood. The other guy was from my hood, <laughs> and he did. You know. Showed him growing up with a brownstone, like, this kid was not, but they all had A's and, you know, everyone thinks they're tough, but this guy really came from a tough neighborhood, but I'm convinced that that's what popped it off. Oh, definitely, definitely a, a possibility, because, you know, like, he, he is, I think Jerry Springer was once sort of considered, you know, I guess on, uh, I was about to say Maury level, but now Maury is also completely ratchet. Like, Maury? <laughs> Yeah, Maury. Or maybe he was okay. I guess Donahue is a good example. So Jerry Springer was on some Donahue levels. Jerry Springer was on Donahue levels, and then yeah. he just—I guess I don't know what he decided. <laughs> I guess he decided that beef was better cooked. So um, yeah, it worked. Times are changing for sure. <laughs> but to speak on that too, because that's a bit of, um, you know, part of the creativity and the the school didn't really have much to give people like us at the time um but it was still a really interesting experience because yes for the most part still in touch and friends with people from that time and space and era um and I think the, the weirdest part about that moment or having that type of experience in high school is what post high school mm-hmm. was really like you know, and that's the, that's like 
everyone's off on their own thing. Yeah. What's that, you know, what's that journey like? So, shout out to Siobhan Perry. Siobhan hit me on IG. She's like, I want to be on the show. <laughs> yeah, girl, we're going to do that. Oh, man. Could have had an H-Laps uh, session. Well, we might have to get that together. We might have to figure that out some, some way, somehow. But, yeah, what what you want to say, Tony? Uh, you know, not much. Is that, like, you know, that, that I mean, the the want to need to do something creative um, from high school definitely put more of an intensity for me to start doing what I did after, which was, you know, like, immediately after to start renting out, like, theaters and theater spaces and just putting up shows, um, which funny because it became like my you know it, it was a release a mental sort of like health release I would say for sure in high school because we were kids and we had a company that was doing this for us like, <laughs> after high school as right. an 18 year old going out there to just sort of like step into this world of you know I mean, theater is really out outside of youth theater. Theater is not a world of eighteen to thirty-five year olds. You know, I mean, there are certain pockets, but like, I was just in a completely different world. Um, but like, I needed it. You know, high school was ending, so it was you know, high school's ending. That means youth theater is going to end too. So like, if that's ending, what am I going to do with myself? What's that mean for me? Um, so you know, I went to rent out theaters. That became a a burden, you know, as an as an eighteen year old, trying to pay for that, you know, trying to like make that happen because to make my mental health, you know, happen. This is the is, true sixty third story. Yeah, so to to be an artist, like, okay, now I got to go out there and like make this happen, and you know, you can either wait till someone else does it for you, or you can just do it yourself. Like I took the do it yourself route, you know. Instead of even going to college, you know, I was like, all right, like, because that structure, like, meant to, something else to me, too. Like, the college structure meant, like, all that is going to be is just a continuation of the high school structure. Right. Which I didn't like. Um, and because I didn't take high school very seriously, like, I did not take the college process very seriously. Like, I didn't really have anyone outside of school pushing me to sort of, like, you know, pushing me hard to go in direction. I mean, yeah, sure. You hear family members mention, oh, yeah, you should go to college. Right. But, like, no one really takes the time to sit you down and explain to you, like... Why or what are we going to study or just right. have a whole thought of behind it. Yes. Yeah, that's at least, At least no one in my situations, you know. Because, right. like, other families do have that. Right. You know, or someone... I remember one uncle sort of got through to me. Because he took the time to, like, really sit down and explain things. But he didn't really, like, he he couldn't really verbalize what life, like, could be. Snap, drop, and roll. That wasn't abrupt. We're back. I didn't mean to just dip us out of there, but we're here. Whose podcast is this? The Millennial Hippie with... J. Anthony Roman, and we're um, we're talking a little bit about mental health and wellness and high school. So go ahead, Tom. Yeah, so I mean, you know, I, I didn't have anyone in my family to really like verbalize like 
what can happen with your life if you don't go to high school or to college. Um, because a lot for a lot of people in my family, that's just the way of life. You graduate high school and that's it. All right. And my one sort of like family member that did know what's up, you know, he had did he had went to college, so he didn't know the, he didn't he didn't really understand the consequences of not going to college. So he's sort of good. He's just sort of like really being like, yo, you know, it's it's. So he's the one who took the time to be like, it's extremely important that you go. One guy versus an eighteen year old with my will. <laughs> you know, it's unstoppable. Yeah. So I wasn't listening to that at all. Um, but yeah, you know, whatever. I just went into the business. Uh, and that caused a lot of trauma, <laughs> you know, cause you know, it's, it's hard in, you know, in theater to, to make money period, you right. know, to make money back. Uh, so I would say a lot of the next, you know, almost like, you know, almost two decades were spent, it were spent me, you know, working in places I didn't want to work, um, doing things I didn't want to do. You know, putting myself through a lot of like, you know, negative things to make the positive things happen, you know, which is like, you know, uh, basically, you know, crawling through through glass to, you know, to get to the swimming pool. Um, as, as my grandma would say, you know, cutting your nose to spite your face. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, whatever, you know, we'd get to, you know, we'd get to these shows, we'd get these shows done, but like... You know, the, the the amount, the toll that it would take, you know, it was a lot. Um, you know, be, you know, besides a lot of the, you know, professional stuff that goes on, but just the everyday realities of like, you know, going to do these, these jobs, you know, whether it be, you know, I did educational theater for six years, you know, that, um, you know, it wasn't, wasn't an awful job, but it was very low paying. You know, it was a lot of, you know, uh, ground you had to cover. Um, basically, we covered the city, you know, whether it be Staten Island or Riverdale. Um, you know, situations where, you know, most of my day was spent, like, commuting. Um, and, you know, not making a lot of money in that situation to put up, put a lot of money into these productions, you know. Um what else? What other traumatic jobs did mm-hmm. I have? Uh, you know, retail. Uh, well, you know, working in real estate in an office. Um, I had to sell. Uh, I had a, a side job as selling gas masks near Ground Zero after, like, around around the time you know, two years after nine eleven. You know, um, I didn't get that job. I was like, wait a minute, why they hired Tony? Didn't hire me? Yeah, probably a good thing. Oh wait, totally blessed. They say you know you you'd be grateful for what you have, and you'd be grateful for the things that you don't get as well. Because sometimes everything that's for you is gonna find its way to you. <laughs> that job was funny because you know I had a good time because I was there with one of my best friends' sister. Right. Like, you know we were we we were chilling. Um, I was there with at at the time his his father in law who was you know interesting fun guy, uh, but. It was a dirty business, man. Like that, it was a business based on fear. You know, we're selling gas masks near the worst terrorist attack in American history. Possibly the worst place you should really be working. Right. You know, and you know, basically, we're we're selling these masks in the hopes just to, 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 to scare people that live around the the neighborhood at first, 
eventually the New Yorkers aren't stupid. Like they're they're the first people who stop coming to the shop. Right. Right. After that, it was just online sales from people in Tulsa, Oklahoma, who think Bin Laden's coming for them. <laughs> right. Right. Um. But uh, yeah, that that was you know it wasn't like it, it was it was weird work. I, I remember I went out one day to hand out flyers and they asked me to wear a hazmat suit. What? So I'm handing out like a ha- I'm wearing a hazmat suit, handing out flyers to a gas mask store what? near Ground Zero. So, you know, like Wellen. Yeah, like two years after nine uh, eleven. And yeah, I remember this construction worker came by me, like saw the, the saw the the, the uh, fire and like cursed and like you know like ripped it up and stuff. What? All types people just looking at you like in disgust and like fear, like oh my god, like why are you doing this? <laughs> this is awful. It, yeah, and it was. <laughs> and and here's a funny thing about your your journey and your story to where you are now with um, Scarface and. Fast forwarding to you eventually did go to go to college and but someone even myself as you tell the story someone listening that knows you but doesn't know certain parts of what really got all those things done would probably never believe that those were part of the journey because at the end of the day a lot of people out there think that things are easy or may see other people do something and succeed and they feel like they don't have the ability to do the same. And there's a lot of things that you have to do that are part of doing what you like to do the most. The idea as you get older is to minimize your perception. And I speak when I say you, I mean you general. One's perception of what that may look like during different seasons and times in your life because you know to take that you know to jump in and just give my post high school to your parallel to your being that we were like this duo is yeah mental health uh, took a whole semester off after high school before even going into college because I just wanted to get away from school and I already knew what I wanted to do um, and I did not necessarily know how I was going to get there but I you know and this goes to the cat a little bit too never performed that cat because I was super intimidated at the time by everyone's talent because like that's how talented cat it still remains to be a talented place for um, New York City kids New York City uh, teenagers that have uh, artistic abilities but at the time just like yo everyone is dope like you guys are good but then like being like okay where's my good gonna be and what and but but again having been at repertory and majoring in film and learning how the back end of film works because obviously you you start with the material, but then what what how does it continue from there? And learning that side of it, and then leaving high school and being like, I don't think I want to go to college right away. Mm-hmm. I don't even think that makes sense. But I gotta get to N- I gotta get back to NYU somehow, like knowing that much and knowing what that m- means. Because you either have New York 
film academy, I think, or and then like Columbia, and then you have NYU, but it's like I'm such a huge fan of Spike Lee and Martin Scorsese and a lot of right, like just from a visual perspective, but definitely from Spike from Brooklyn and wanting to like make films and how does this work and how do you put it together once you have the script and knowing you and going, well, there's always going to be material because this guy writes, you know, like, let me go find out how we do film stuff. Let's go. Let me go get into Hollywood real quick because I want to see those. I want to be a part of those things. Right. And yeah, the, the journeys to that because watching you put on festivals and being able to be a part, especially from a film perspective, and me and Sean Luden, and being able to be on that end, and then how it all come, came together. For anyone coming to see any of those shows back then, it's like, dude, we were kids at the Fringe Festival, and we don't really get there without all the sacrifices that are a little unknown to most people at the time, in terms of the magnitude of what it took for you to put those things on and for the momentum of this large... We were like the Wu-Tang of theater <laughs> and had musicians in a part of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those shows were fun. And, the, you know, I, I I guess for, like, people coming by, it, was, it looked like just a bunch of kids partying. Um, and, yeah, we were, you know, but I, it was a lot of hard work. And I don't want to make it seem like I, I'm the only person who did a lot of hard work. A lot of people did a lot no, of hard work. No, well, I mean, we're know? speaking from the persistent yeah, perspective yeah. of the two of us here. I mean, yeah. we look, a lot of those people we were in cat with... Um, they already have extended invite to be on the podcast because everyone's still doing really amazing things. Um, but that was, to me, high school was very special in terms of the, the people that were there um, and who we got to meet and interact with. And then having the outlet of Cat was also uh, an important factor in terms of feeding off of and being inspired by people who or just passionate about what they love to do too at this at, with this type of focus. This is what this area focuses. And then eventually going out to build your brand in some way where I know you're probably going to, you know, share with the people what that journey really is like because then at some point so I go into the the world of Hollywood and start being on set in Hollywood films and and then you're still transitioning actually out of where is this theater going to take me how is this theater going to turn into monetary or the visions that you wanted yeah well you know it's funny because I look at all that like you know this, whenever I get a chance to look at some of that material like you know that that I did during 63rd uh, when it was like my material we were working on yeah. like uh, just that and even like after 63rd um, you know and you know blackouts you know that play that went up and and, and some there's a lot of trauma in that stuff like yeah. it's all like trauma it's very dark <laughs> yeah it's, it's 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 work based on like you know growing up the way I did and you know going through the shit trying to make all this stuff happen right like it was, yeah it was dark um, so like yeah, that was, but obviously it was needed because that was the outlet. You know, whatever was going on inside of me, like, you know, and also like, you know, a bunch of us when we were all like working on stuff and like, you know, all of our material, like, yeah, we were all going through like 
you know, as people in our early 20s, you know, we were all going through a lot. Um, yeah, that was a very interesting... Post-high school was just so... Wow. It was... Com- for me, it was also a combination of um, manifestations, you know, like, really having moments of, like, oh, snap, I'm here. Oh, wow. And... That was a very... Wow, when I look back on it, that was pretty... It was fun as heck, though. Like, it was really fun, but it was it had definitely these elements of... I mean, I guess you just, you're just naive to a lot of things, so you're also just cool with how certain things are going, but I just look back and go, yeah, those are the right times to be partying, and it may have looked like a party to a lot of people, but... And it was. And but. it was a party, but it was <laughs> but it was a lot of hard work. I mean, yeah. we, first of all, I don't think we even can get to the to an HBO Latino Film Festival screening without it being like we were the live version of kids with, with <laughs> artistic focus and everyone really in their own space doing their own thing and building their careers. Everyone was working, but we had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. And I think the 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 trauma of being a bunch of like broke, you know, kids, you yeah, know, I guess. Yeah, where does the money come from? Even, you know, like in our, you know, sort of when we were hitting our, our mid 20s, um, you know, still still kids, like but the trauma of that we were all, all of all the sacrifice we were doing, you know, a lot of times as as much fun we were having, you know, doing stuff and partying, like, we were giving up a lot of our youth to, like, make these show, shows happen. And, like... Oh, yeah, definitely old before you... Just, yeah. That's the thing. It's You know what I what I realized? And you go through this because, you know, and your support system is very important. Sometimes it's not... Um, sometimes your support system isn't traditional. But in, in my case, my mom is one of my biggest supporters and just having her wisdom and things that my grandmother used to say growing up. And um, it was very, very important because you don't realize you say you want to do something and then these things start to occur. But then there are other things that, that blossom within it that you need to do to get to other steps. It's like a Super Mario game. You know, it's like... <laughs> playing Mario Brothers, you know, it's like, you gotta hop on this thing to get on that thing to get there. And I know a lot of people get discouraged at sometimes you, if you've gone through a lot, you can say the smallest things, but everyone has their cross to bear and everyone, but doesn't, but here's the thing, if you don't have people to push you or you're not surrounded by people who are also doing their thing that that turns into an inspiration less and less of a jealousy or an envious thing, then you're in the right path because everyone has a genius in them and can can do what they want to do. But the discipline it takes and the fact that we worked hard and we played harder. And that's really what it, what it boiled down to. And I think that's what eventually took its toll on people. Because, like, yeah, like, I think, you know, the mixture of, like, the the hard work, you know, especially like the, the last like show we did was a lot of hard work, but it was also more most successful, you know? Right. Um, but like after that, like, you know, he, there's a most, most of the group 
just didn't they just didn't want to go on you know right so, i don't go on this way <laughs> hey you know like they reached their level of trauma you yeah. know like and i i get that like you could take but so much right back then we didn't you know we weren't classifying this as as trauma you know like um but you know i you know so whatever i i moved on just to just regular when it was being a regular playwright like sort of stepping off stage um and yeah, like, and that that just led to me navigating through just being a playwright in the theater industry, which led to a lot, uh, still more trauma <laughs> um, and successes, you know, whatever. But like, I still was, you know, ended up producing a lot of my shows, uh, right. which just, you know, basically continued the pattern of me putting in a lot of work in places I didn't want to be at, which, you know, definitely eventually led to me wanting to go to NYU film school instead of working in theater anymore. Um, and I always thought you your writing belonged on screen because I was doing nothing but film at that time. And when we speak about trauma, just so that people don't under, well, just rather so people understand, it's not an over it's not a trendy word. Like we're not using it from that perspective. It's really the fact that whenever you don't honor something that you should be doing because ultimately what we're talking about is you go from working hard to working smart and in that is learning the things that were not are not a healthy way for your life to be doing you know and really balancing we speak about balance but for a lot of us it's very hard to do because I'm a workaholic so for me to balance things takes whoa so much convincing sometimes and it does take other people to point things out to me sometimes to be like hey we should recognize that maybe we should take a break you know to the point where you have to search for why you feel the need to do or move a certain way which is a part of well-being you know that's a part of mental health um because a lot of times and you mentioned it you know you're walking on glass sometimes when you could have just did something in a particular way. And I guess for theater, for you, and um, that's a part of that. You know, it's like when the cutoff, trying to be doing the, do theater and then go into something else that I can learn this other dynamic to and build content and distribute it different. Yeah, well, I mean, like, by the time I got to, like, the last, like, theater show I ever did, like, it was... I, I knew that, like, you know, this is... It's getting crazy i mean they'd be i'd be you know be two o'clock in the morning after i've worked you know an, an eight hour day as an exterminator then did you know six hours of you know rehearsals or whatever afterwards and i'm printing out programs and i'm out of ink and i end up punching a hole through my wall you know mm -hmm. because i'm so like frustrated because you know things aren't going you know, at that moment, things aren't going the way I need them to go. And what what have you learned though from that? Like, why why wouldn't that be something you do now? Let's say for those that may not really understand what you mean by that was a reaction, and you recognize that as being a trigger or a trauma. Right, and I well, I'll say this: I struggle not to do that now. Right. I still get the sometimes, you know, when. Because, you know, I'm, st I'm still in production, even though it's not theater. Like, right. still, you know, life gets extremely frustrating at times. Right. And, 
yeah, I still do want to punch holes in the wall. Um, I don't nowadays. I try not to. Um, but that has that's taken some work. I'm not completely, you know, fixed per se. No one. I don't think no one we'll ever say is. Healed. Yeah. You're not. I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but yeah. just that I think there's a pressure to be right or wrong or fixed or you're not broken or rather. Maybe there are parts of you that are broken, but that's where light comes in, right? When things yeah. are broken. So at the end of the day, it's really just about a healing. And again, I'm not trying to speak for you or change the way you feel about what you're expressing. Mm-hmm. But just for people to know that, like, and even for you to know, for as a reminder for self, it's not about fixing something per se. It's like working on it, being a work in progress. And what are the tools that you use to get to this point of, first of all, you have to be aware of something to be able to say, I'm going to address it. And start to heal from that. And then that has a line to it because it dates back to something. So what were some of the tools that you used, though, to get yourself in a less punch-the-ball punch mode? <laughs> right. Well, I think the first thing I did was sort of realize that, you know, at some level, it wasn't working. You know, being a playwright or, or you know, whatever. Just being in that, that you know, that part of the industry. Right. Um you know, it wasn't working, you know, definitely not to my satisfaction. Um, whatever. I don't want to get too, too deep into that, but making a decision to be like, okay, look, I have to get a degree, um, so I can fit into normal society at, at some level. Um, I know I didn't want to do something that I hate. Um, because that's where it was sort of like going to, you know, now it's like, all right, I'm I, I'm working these jobs that I absolutely hate. It's making me hate my life, you know, to, to work. And then after I was sort of like, I think I should sort of start begin to let go of, like, playwriting. Yeah. I know for sure. I was like, well, I'm not going to go into some field that I don't love and right. hate, hate my life every day. It's not going to end well. Right. Like, I for sure know it's not going to end well. You know, so... You know, film is is a is a ever growing industry here. You know, in New York City. Um, so, I whatever took the steps I needed to to get into film school. You know, first CCNY, then she made it to NYU. Right. Um, but even in that, that started that became a whole another certain level of like anxiety, because now I am someone who is a lot older than the people I'm going to school with. Right. And, you know, it's sort of like, okay, every, you know, you're, you're at, you know, you're, you're at a college now as an undergrad. And, you know, basically the idea is you are at the precipice of your own history. Right. I, for one, am, you know, I'm, I'm well past, I'm in my, I'm well past my history. Right. <laughs> you know, so you're looking around a room with a bunch of people who are half your age you know, and you're about to go step into struggle and, and fight in, in, the, in the same industry as them. Right. Um, so your energy, you know, you're worried about your energy, uh, if you can match up, your creativity, all that stuff. So anxiety only sort of got worse, um, you know, and, you know, definitely even molded into like social anxiety where, you mm-hmm. know, I don't really like, really love to, to you know, sort of, I don't really like to mingle that much with a lot of these people because, you know, A, you know, age thing is one thing, but it's also, you know, it's NYU, so it's not like these people didn't come from where I come from either. It's not like like high school. You know, I know everyone at least has come from a certain level 
that I'm familiar with. You know, everyone's coming from a different place, a different time. Right. <laughs> you know, so right. I'm completely fish out of water. Right. Um, and I'm also expected to deliver. You right. know, create it creatively. Right. Um, Especially because you're a different environment. Right. And, right. You know, so like now to, you know, it's not just me uh, doing art for myself. Like I'm doing art for a grade. And right. if I don't get a good grade, that means, you know, I'm wasting my time here. And it's a huge, huge price tag on this. Right. You know, like, so anxiety mounts. Um, so I believe where I, how I get to where I am now, you know, as far as me not punching a hole in the wall every day. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the steps that I started to take, you know, first of all, recognizing. Like, recognizing, like, yo, the thoughts... That you're having and recognizing, you know, what direction these thoughts are, are going and starting to sort of starting to think about, all right, having the foresight to see that direction and all right, do you really want to mentally go that direction? You know, like, do you want to, you know, or do, do you not, would you rather not go somewhere else? Right. You know, so recognizing that I guess there is a problem, sort of, you know, or at least yeah. Acknowledging that you want something different. Right. Um, so that is sort of one. And then sort of like being like, okay, like, if there is certain go- something going on, you know, wh- how do I deal with it? You know, and seeing the options of how to deal with it. The first thing I did, one of the first things I did was start going, getting into like transcendental meditation. Right. So I got myself into a sort of program, um... That like was that online or was that in person? It was in person. That okay. was in, that was in person. So it was like a course, right? You know, and I got financial aid for it, so I took the course, and yeah, got into the routine of you know meditation, which led to, um, I think I just started. I I didn't go to transcendental meditation first. Actually, I started sort of mindful meditation, right? Um, you know, just five minutes at first. I think no, I think you you might have. We started, this, I think you might have started me on meditation with, you know, I feel silly saying this, but, you know, the Oprah and the Deepak stuff. Was, oh, word. Yeah. Was dope. You know, like, and, well, yeah. and trust me, I didn't want to, you know, if you're hearing this as, you know, as whatever, a cisgender male and thinking like, I am not listening to Oprah and Deepak Chopra. Like, trust me, I get it. <laughs> But, you know, it's sort of the stepping stones. It's baby steps. And that's what that little program was that you gave me, you know? Well, yeah, it was like 20 minutes. And right. you have to practice meditation. It's not something that happens automatically. It's the first thing a lot of people want to say. And I was there. We're all there until you get into it the way that it helps your life, not the country, right? And, no. But it's to say, my my godfather, Jack, introduced me to meditation so long ago because personal trauma was like my dad was killed and so many people that were really close to us died of cancer and just how do you deal with all these things that are occurring and I would get emotional about things that it's not that you're not supposed to have an emotional feeling towards it's just that it means that there's not a healing there and my godfather at the time was deep into meditation to the point where like he you know he lived in from Brooklyn uh Shout out to my godmother, uh, Arlene. They're from Brooklyn Park Slope, right? Um, he, they moved out to New Mexico, but there would be moments where he would go 
for like weeks at a time, he was at the level where he'd be on retreats and they weren't talking for the whole week. There's a bunch of people there. Um, and she was, a cranial, she was at the time a cranial sacral therapist, which I had no idea what any of that was. So that's really funny that this is the information and I, I'm sort of coming full circle back into it for myself. But the foundation of that was clearly always there um, as, as them being my godparents. Shout out to my mom picking the right people, right? <laughs> yep. But um, my godfather, Jack, introduced me. And so in sharing it with you, Tony, was more about doing it the same way he did it with me, which was just an understanding of what it is and just testing it and seeing if it works for you because you can't really fight somebody on their process of wanting to heal whatever they feel they want to heal. You just kind of have to just offer what you know and step away. Um and it's like, yo, it's five minutes at a time, you know, just sit there and, but the whole idea of meditation is to be more mindful of your thoughts, not to entertain them unless it's a a message, mm-hmm. you know, because you're getting both, you're having a conversation, it's a listening and it's a receiving, and it's a listening and it's a, rather, listening is receiving, it's a listening and it's a, it's a give or take, basically, it's a yin and yang to meditation. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, look, looking into that stuff got me actually further into looking at, you know, how do you remove... Shout out to Oprah, sorry. Yeah, shout out to, shout Oprah. Out to Oprah and Deepak. And Deepak. <laughs> Even though I heard so many other day be like, yeah, when I went to India and mentioned Deepak Chopra, like, nobody knows him over there. <laughs> oh my God, yo. They're <laughs> not surprised. Me. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> But we know you over here, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those 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 little mantras were awesome. <laughs> right. Um, those they're still I still listen to the twenty one day. But go ahead, I'm sorry. But yeah, no, so I got into like sort of researching about like, all right, removing yeah, you know, removing these things from your like body and life that can sort of like all right, look, there's no way you're ever gonna get away from like stress, anxiety and trauma. Like that's we do have to deal with that on a daily basis. But, Especially living here since it's exactly. since it's manufactured. Mm-hmm. Thanks. And, but as we as we as we walk, you know, like there's things that we can do, sort of like on the back end, to lessen, sort of like you know, really open the valve. You know, sometimes it, it got to be more than art. You know, because now at this point in my life, like art is very connected to like business, my business. Right. You know, so like even that is sort of like taking on sort of a, a different like meaning. So like. You know, like, doing things like, all right, meditation, then started, like, researching about, like, yoga, what can that possibly do? Researching, like, diet, like, all right, you know, like, as far as, like, you know, so I'm I'm a vegetarian, you okay. know, and why, why I'm a vegetarian is because, you know, something that strikes me as feeling right in my gut is the old sort of, like, you know, I, I guess it's comes from all sort of like native life you know the idea of you know when you consume you know an animal you know you're consuming everything that the animal's been through you know all that stress all that all that you know and i think about the meat industry in our in our country and all the stress that you know those animals go through before they die you know so like that you know coupled with the fact that you know i wasn't ever that big of a meat eater to begin with like you know, that was sort of like a tipping point. Like, well, look, that something about that feels right in my stomach. I don't know if it's, you know, whatever. Well, it's scientific, if you don't mind for a second. Yeah. Like, just it, that, what you're saying actually goes into what I meant 
And when I speak on about last week in the nervous system and having autoimmune disease, your gut is another brain. And, you know, um, be, and your brain and your gut are always connected. They're, they're connected. I mean, one of the biggest nerves, cranial nerves, is the vagus nerve, you know. And so that connects from your brain to your stomach. And that that area, this is where flight of fight, flight of flight and rest and digest come into play, which goes into why you would wonder as a society um, why massage is not spoken of in this in this more vast way because it's and we're not talking about cost yet we're going to get into all that at some point but this is really about saying the alternatives to being able to relieve the stress or to main, manage the, the trauma and the triggers so that you get to a more healing place where your perspective on things change which helps you manage the stress because now you put things in its proper order um and massage not just being like to relax you but again we go back to well i felt it in my gut if i'm eating this kind of food well because at the end of the day your body is like its own computer and we're just not taught that you know we 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 go off when we're really young and everyone thinks it's cute that the toddler learning how to speak and say eyes, ears, and nose and point to it. And then we have this huge disconnection after that with how we feel. And depending on what family and environment you grow into, some people are, don't never really learn. So that's another thing, too. You either, you're either raised out of fear or you're raised out of love, right? So that you're raised out of either survival and sometimes it's... Your family can love you, your mom and dad can love you, but there's, they don't have room to stop to express that, you know? So, you know, you, your definition of love means this, that, or third. That goes with food in the same way. Like, a lot of people find it funny to, like, clown veganism of being vegetarian and things like this. And the joke's really on you not having the education to understand that you should eat foods that are more alive than they are dead because you're alive. You know, the lion catches its prey. It doesn't, you know, the reason why the lion in the zoo is, God forbid, useless is because to himself, to what his, what his place on this planet is, what his role, everyone has a role. Just because a bunch of weirdos took everyone from their roles doesn't mean everyone has a role. No matter how many times you want to get away from saying there's a role, there is. And that's another part of mental health issues where people need to accept that there are roles. I mean, just plain and simple. And the only time people want to bend what a role is is when it suits their narrative. But you wouldn't walk to your boss's office on Monday with all this, no, no one, there's no roles, and be like, I'm the boss today. You get fired, right? <laughs> so let's just calm down. Obviously, there's roles to be played. <coughs> So everyone just could be comfortable in the idea of knowing that the wild animal has to hunt for their food. It's alive when it's eating it. It's 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 as natural as what is supposed to happen. So what is what are what is our prey? Our prey is um cauliflower and watermelon with seeds and an apple and an orange and lentils and these beans before they're GMO'd and um you know these other sources of protein that have existed for centuries that are not also, they're also pain relievers when taken with other things that are also natural to the earth. But, and we were talking about this earlier, Tony, having the fast food tongue. Mm -hmm. um, it's crack. <coughs> that stuff is crack. But when, you, when you're eating these fast food foods, 
And you see now they're all going vegan and they're trying to do this and that. It's like, well, yeah, I guess, guys, whatever. Like, whatever, whatever <laughs> yeah, you want to do. my life easier. Yeah, whatever you want to do, <laughs> I, I, I guess. I don't know what's real and what's fake. At the, at the end of the day, I know that um, your gut does speak and it's very subtle. And these are the things that go along with mental health and with traumas because you can either repeat things because you're conditioned to repeat them and that's a little bit of giving up on yourself as well. Mm. And, um, or you can say, yeah, theater's not working. My diet is not working the way I want it to work. Even unbeknownst to yourself, you know, like you're just unconscious of the fact that that's how conscious you were in the moment. <coughs> yeah. To change these things. Yeah, well, one thing I was definitely conscious about is like, look, you know, consuming less stress, you know, and, I, and I, that's, that's food and it's also like life shit you know so it's like all right if i'm presented with a situation that i know i'm gonna i'm gonna get stressed out about if i don't really need to be there i'm not gonna be there you know like if i don't like it's like all right i gotta go to this you know why do i really want to go do i really want to go to this party you know like i know there's gonna be people there i should probably like you know schmooze with like, I know that stuff is necessary sometimes. Right. It's not necessary all the time. Right. Like, you know, so I, I also stopped, like, you basically changed my grind. You know, it's like, I, I'm I'm not trying to be in any scenes. And I know there can be consequences to that. But, like, I, I don't know. I just, that, like, trying to get on. As far as like a so as a, as a socialite, you know, in the business, like that always felt felt dramatic to me. It's not me. Yeah, you know, I like things happen organically. I like to work with people, you know, like. And that's I know I still have a lot more room to grow on that in that you know as far right. as like networking and all that stuff like because I'm so used to being you know a writer instead you know being in a room somewhere working in front of a computer rather than. You know, to me, partying is partying and work is work. Right, right. For you, know, you, work is writing. Right. Being in front of the computer or being in a rehearsal room, that's work. Like, right. To me, partying is partying. When I'm partying, I don't want to deal with rehearsing. Well, you're that, you're that guy and you're at the stage where maybe you need to get representation because those are what people do for people yeah, that yeah. only want to sit in the room. At the same time, um, this also goes back to, you know, those choices, like you said, they, those come with consequences when when maybe you should be in a room or should approach someone that you don't you don't approach i always like to look at the why of things you know like sure we know you're a writer and you're you're in the you're in uh, a room but why still wouldn't you approach it if that's what you want right because at the end of the day people people want to connect with with you mm-hmm. even if you have an agent Someone wants to still connect with who you are when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of it because that's what's going to make their decision then it's coupled with, you know, what circles are do you are you maybe familiar with and I guess being comfortable with and this is part of trauma too, right? Is is maybe not being in an environment where you had a supporting cast to understand that no man's an island because there's a stress that comes with trying to do everything yourself or trying to get somewhere you need to go. But then remembering or feeling traumatized if you're in an environment that's not completely your thing. Yeah. 
you know, so it's there go we're back to balancing again, right? Like like you said, what events you should be at, what events you shouldn't be at, because you do know that for you, until you do get representation, you're gonna have to put yourself in some circles. Yeah. And and meet some people. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean you're you're a dope person, so right, you gotta you should want to share a little bit of that with yeah. other people, and that's what gets people to do projects with you because they connect with that. Yeah, and that's a challenge, you know, like being, you know, being comfortable within myself outside of you know my circles. Right. You know, that's a, that's a, that's an ongoing challenge, you know, like. But I also think that you know the uh, the meditation after I sort of moved on from, you know, after I got into the. Uh, the twenty-one day thing you you taught me, I started doing it for a lot longer. Eventually, found transcendental meditation, and you know started doing that. And um, yo, after this break, we're gonna get into what trans uh, transcendental. Yeah, transcendental. Tr- yeah. We're gonna get into what transcendental after this break. Uh, what that meditation is because I've heard of heard of it, but I'm old-fashioned meditator. <laughs> we'll be back. Dreams of the night. That song also reminds me of the song from Mannequin. <laughs> what song from Mannequin? Oh, oh. Oh, the movie Mannequin? Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. First of all, this is. Yeah, this is about to be the longest episode in the history of the show. <laughs> Um, and I know we're just getting started, but we gotta talk about. So we're back. We're 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 deviating off a little bit of of mental health, but funny enough, we're gonna talk about. See, because last last episode I talked about the autoimmune and how I feel like my, I know my experience with my uncle who's a crackhead played a huge part in, in that, because it's a trauma. Um, and the 80s were just filled with so much. There was so much going on in the 80s. I mean... Lots of trauma. Everywhere. We saw it on the street. Lots of trauma. Everywhere. Reagan, little, trauma everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Reagan <laughs> let all the crazy people out. Oh, that's, Yo, that's, that's not a good word to say. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to say crazy. But yeah. Let all the people out, out of the institutions. Yo, Reagan... Listen. Reagan, like... Like, like... Reagan, listen... Ronald Reagan had the nerve to tell people not to do drugs. (laughs) He had the nerve to tell people not to do drugs. Meanwhile, he caused the most trauma for black and brown people in America. Reign of Terror. And, yo, I watched a documentary that his son made where... His son's cool. Reagan, obviously, was a tool. I'm sorry, can I say that out loud? Shit. Is that un-American? Well, no, not American, but you know, we're gonna get the door kicked open any moment now. <laughs> Yo, do not come up in here, <laughs> okay? I don't have no beef with you weirdos. Um, your secret's safe with me. Wink, wink. <laughs> so my point is, is that um, he just did some really foul stuff that affected the black and brown community, which is a part of what a lot of these traumas come from. Because you were oh, either yeah. a family that um, dealt with addicts. Or mm-hmm. you were a family that dealt with the dealers. Um, and so, you know, either way, you're still affected by it because families are torn apart. And Reagan, thank you for um, 
causing lots of 1980 trauma. Oh, yeah. Reagan, definitely, you know, hey, those traumas were felt in my home, as, you know, as I know it was in yours. Yeah. So... You know, oh, and also, if you if you if you want to know about Reagan and you don't want to spend a lot of time, this isn't the Killer Mike song, uh, Reagan. You Google, <laughs> you know, go to YouTube, Killer Mike Reagan, and it'll come up. It's a fantastic song. Take you about three minutes. Listen to the lyrics. You know exactly what we're talking about. If you don't know the evils of Ronald Reagan, yeah, which is so crazy because like, from the this is what I'm gonna say about the documentary, and this is why I called him a tool. Um, with all due respect. Because the man is dead, so I ain't going to talk about the dead. But my point is is that in the documentary, which brings me to say the words that I'm saying, this is my conclusion, was that he knew that he was being not the nicest guy. He knew that he had did some things that were going to affect people for generations. The documentary spoke on how he also secretly like fit the bill for a lot of people a lot of black and brown families because I'm sure it was his subconscious, his guilt that was like, wait a minute, I'm just what's cracking here. <laughs> yeah. But my yeah. man, you know, and that's the thing that's kind of like, there's another documentary that talks about how America, uh, you know, breeds stress. You know, um, racism, a very capitalistic thing. And it's just so interesting, especially when you're on IG to like, watch people sounds about white <laughs> it's like if we want to have a discussion about why that statement or comment actually means anything it's just because in the black and brown communities um if you do not grow up around too many white people you don't understand that there's a lot of different types of white people yeah and same if you're white if you don't grow up in or if you grew up in a particular white environment you don't know that there's different types of black and brown people um, and usually the ones that only kind of get it the most are ones that grew up in the hood themselves because, the, you know, which goes to them being poor. So that's how that works. And then, yeah, that's class. And that's a class thing. Yeah. So this is how quickly we went from race to class. Because, oh, because it's hand in hand. Because, yeah, yeah, they're married to each other. And, um, yeah, if we speak a little bit to, like, what I experienced coming into into leadership in public service was like all the Bronx girls being like you speak proper you must have been raised by white people and it was like wow who would have thought that speaking proper meant that you were speaking white yeah you know I think that that and I, I grew up in a house full of educators people who read books for fun so this is despite the uncle who's a crackhead because this one, I mean, Reagan brought it in. You was gonna, you was gonna get one crackheaded per family if he was lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you weren't gonna get, you weren't gonna miss out on that one. No matter if you lived in Long Island or you lived in in Brownsville, you were gonna get a crackhead in your family. But long story short, I remember being in that environment in high school, and like these girls were like, "You speaking so proper, you?" And it's just like, "Wow!" Like <sighs> never judging my own people, but definitely feeling like. You're an idiot. <laughs> With all due respect, mm-hmm. you're a little stupid for that. Don't even say that shit out loud. Oh, especially, you know, if I'm a teenager, that's my first reaction. Because, I, you know, I'd still, I still get sometimes, you know, Puerto Rican. 
by other Puerto Ricans. And it's always the stupidest comment ever. It's like, what do you mean I don't look Puerto Rican? You what do you mean I don't look Puerto Rican? I don't have a, I don't have a beer in my hand? Yo, I, my facial hair is in, is in shapes. Like, you know, it's like you, you yourself cannot tell me what it means to look Puerto Rican. But, you know, funny that, you know, we've moved on to like race and stuff because, you know, as far as race and relations to sort of mental health, um, and, you know, I don't mean to alienate, you know, when I say this or make a general sort of stereotype, but, say it, say it. you know, in within the white community or rather, you know, white, I say probably middle or upper middle class community and, 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 and upwards, um, therapy is not a strange thing. Therapy is very much part of people's lives. Oh, yeah, know? totally. I, you know, I mean, NYU, like, there's a lot of people, like, in therapy or had therapists. Like, so, you know, it's funny because, you know, as you brought up Reagan and everything, if, you know, and the 400 years before that, you know, if you talk about trauma and who has trauma in our society, um, a lot of that is going to fall on black and brown people. But we have a stigma when it comes to going to seek help in the sort of, you know, upper class, you know, in upper classes, whether it be, you know, even middle class or upper middle class, as I mentioned, and, you know, that usually in our country means like white person, unfortunately, by the numbers, um, they, therapy is a very normal part of their life. Yeah. So that's, that's more advantage that they're getting. You know, if, if we're, if we fight our way from the hood and we make it into a boardroom with one of these, you know, people and I'm sorry, in therapy, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry to say these people, but if you, if you make it to the boardroom where you're sharing that boardroom with, you know, these individuals, these individuals who have, you know, who, who lived in a certain situation that put them in a situation where they can go to therapy, they're more equipped to deal with work like, like, you know, workplace situations, you know, whereas someone, you know, from where we come from might fly off the handle when something happens. These people who have been through therapy, you know, they, so they know their triggers, right? They know the triggers. They know how to handle things. So that's why a lot of times they look at us and be like, oh, look how ghetto they are. They're wiling because we are wiling in certain, in, in certain cases, because we don't know how to handle these things because we haven't had the privilege to have, you know, therapists and to, 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 to teach us how to deal with these things. So that's just another thing sort of holding us back is this stigma of like, oh, that's just for crazy people. Nah. First of all, the entire world is held back by the stigma that there's a such thing as a normal person. There's no such thing as a normal person. There's no such thing Everyone's as a normal person. Fucking crazy. You either have a chemical imbalance or you don't. Right. It's either, you know, what I mean by chemical is, yeah, there's sociopaths and psychopaths. That's a real thing. Yeah. Um, but those are those still are being studied to see. They say sociopath. Uh, they say parents create sociopaths, psychopaths or something another breed, and then there are people who have chemical imbalances, and then there's sort of everyone else that falls in in that space where, well, what was your environment like, and what was childhood like? Did you get touched too much, and we all know what that is, or did you not get touched at all? And that could be the extreme from your parents were addicts to. Um, they didn't know how to show love as well from their own traumatic generational uh, traumas of whatever, right? Because 
people start that's if we can for a second just go into this too which touches into this notion that there's a normal the one thing I realized that we are not honest with in our society is um the fact that like how families are started I don't think there's enough honesty on the fact that there's a gross amount of population that um, just because they didn't have an abortion doesn't mean that their kids weren't an accident. And so some people are equipped off the bat to be parents, and some people have to learn to grow. It doesn't mean that everyone is not still learning how to be a parent when they discover that they become one. It just means to say that some things are coming natural to others more than others. But there's also the um, development of this child and this environment in which if you're not healed in some ways, you're going to pass on some things. And here's the thing. It's not about being perfect. You can have children and not, no one has it all together. That's the thing that I also feel like is a part of this where in America it's sold to us that you go to college and you get a disagree and then you get married and you have these kids. And to me, that sounds like a death sentence that just sounds so mundane and boring and where's your inspiration for life if this is this linear line that you're taking to get to happiness, so to speak? So I feel like, and that's why I always say be kind. There has to be a kindness to self in which you understand. It's not about comparing myself to my neighbor and what my neighbor has or my high school friends or my college friends. It's about, it's about um, knowing what I need to, to develop or to minimize, to be a better version of myself. I have someone else that I'm raising. I should not be embarrassed. This is why the first couple of episodes we were talking about sex and how did these people learn what sex was. And for a lot of homes, that's not a conversation. Well, that goes back to other people's, your parents in particular's history with sex and touch mm-hmm. and where people are in honesty with that. And I know in, you know, not to DV off too quick, but, you know, there's a lot of physical, sexual, and mental abuse if it's not addict abuse, if it's not induced by liquor, alcohol, you know, some type of drug, where in some communities it's a culture to be sexual abusive to other people. In some homes it's such a taboo uh, but unspoken thing that's allowed. So there's there's all these things that are s- sort of okay to be kept. In some homes, yelling is a way of people talking to each other until you realize you can use your inside voice. And when someone... I met this girl at school. She was so like, oh my God. She was like all over the place. And I was like, you got to cut it out. You know, <laughs> no one's here to hurt you. And the fact that I chose to say that to her really calmed her down because I think a lot of people do come from very traumatic backgrounds where yelling like just yelling and violence and people getting angry and and you have an opinion and I can disagree without you trying to shoot me or trying to stab me in the house you know I have cousins like that they're they're brother and sister they can't they can't um, they're my mom's side I just want to be in particular (laughs) what I say Um, they're they they can't communicate without one of them trying to stab you at the other one. And it's like, it's okay if the person has another opinion. But oh, this is that a third of it. Listen, you want someone to listen to you, you gotta listen, right? But where does that come from? Well, their mom has a little bit of a mental health 
situation from the jump that her parents didn't address because that was a generation of people who felt ashamed to address these things. They rather prayed away, which again, for if you pray, that's not a bad thing, I pray. But, um, and then you had my uncle who was on crack. So you're dealing with two, just two people who never learn what structure is. So how they perform in the real world is really out of a fear because they're trying to present themselves the best way, but just don't know how. And that's sort of the part of the mental illness that comes with Reagan bringing drugs into the communities. Into the community. Yeah. Because you weren't, you weren't on the. <coughs> well, I'll get back. What I was going to say is, like, you weren't on the better end of the spectrum if your family sold the drugs. Right. But it didn't make it better. You probably had more money than the family that was kept having to scramble for it, but that comes with it. Said There's this girl in my class, in Arts, that... So one of the... You know, again, back to PD and how Swedish preps us for, for the real world in massage therapy. It was uh, talking about what was it like as a child growing up? Were you able to... Did you sit down and eat? Did people talk? That sort of thing. And... To this day, I'm always still amazed how other people grew up because I really do thank God and I'm grateful for my upbringing. Again, this is not perfect. It's I'm still dealing with the crackhead relative. It's just that's not my everyday environment. Mm-hmm. And so this young lady was explaining how... She's a much older woman, but I'm just being... This young lady was explaining how they didn't talk in her family because her dad was like a drug kingpin and she couldn't, the whole point was you don't say anything in that, you know, that yeah. was how they grew up. They didn't say anything. Yeah. So no, no one talked that dinner. There's nothing to talk about. Right. One, you don't know, she said you never knew who was going to stop by the house so you didn't want to be in any kind of conversation. Because it was about people not knowing you have to move a certain way. Yeah. So, our society, this country's from day one is breed a, a form of trauma and stress to people and it's great that we're in this time to be able to talk about this because it's a real thing it's borderlines to everyone's individual perception of per- what perfection is and a combination of being too distracted by things that ultimately don't matter which is where meditation and working out and working out's a good thing like that's another thing too we're so separated from like our body to the point where we think like working out is some sort of um burden mm-hmm. could you imagine taking care of yourself is a burden yeah wow they really they really sold you on this whole idea that like if you get invited to some place you can say no oh my friends want me to go here okay you can say no if you don't have the financial means to do so. Well, I don't want anyone to feel like I... You don't want anyone to what? Think that you're broke? I'm on a budget. How about that? When I learned the word budget, it didn't matter whether I actually had the money or didn't. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's also part of wellness. is checking on your finances and seeing where you are. And being mindful and not taking every invite because you feel you need to be someplace. But ask yourself why you need to be there in the first place. Yeah, I would love to go everywhere with everybody. Can't do it. Yeah. Why? Because you should be on a mission to get to where you need to be, and that's a part of wellness again. It's 
recognizing what your goals are and trying to get to instead of looking at the guy next to you and being like, oh, man, Anthony did that. I wish I would have did that. Well, that guy really did his thing. But I like Vodka so much. Uh, Tony likes Vodka a lot, too. <laughs> too much. So, yeah. It's all relative. And massage got to be a part of this conversation, always, because you can go get a massage to uh, move your lymph, um, improve the flow of blood through circulation, um, give more length to your muscles that are shortened, and to soothe your nervous system, where a lot of this stuff is built into when you go through certain things in life. So if you come from any kind of environment, being able to manage it. And that's part of what going to see a therapist is helping someone to constantly help you balance and bring healthy perspectives to uh, everyday situations. Yeah, I mean, you want as much help as you can get in this life. Yeah, we're all here to help each other. A lot of people don't seem to fully understand that we don't really win it sounds cheesy but it's the truth you don't really you don't gain anything like I think trying to conquer things all the time has been proven not to actually gain anything I think there's an assertiveness to something and making your mark and putting sometimes people will be affected by it because it's, it's yin and yang it's, it's a cause and effect everything has a cause and effect Try to keep that to a minimum in terms of purposely hurting people. Yeah. Because now what shouldn't be sold to you is being sold to you, which is going to the gym. You can do push-ups in your house. Just do the push-up. That's jailhouse workouts, man. That's pretty much the only... uh... <laughs> workouts I do I uh you know I had a gym membership for a little bit you know while you know and then I had to cut it off because I had to produce film um right because the gym becomes an yeah that and here his his everything has its place the gym is a great place the one thing I will say about the gym as I'm studying personal training right now uh just to bring that up real quick is the fact that um when I so in a little bit of post high school for me if you don't mind, right? I take that semester off. Then I go to Mega Evers. And my journey to NYU was through Mega Evers. And I worked at a fashion photo studio at the time. So I got to meet some amazing, incredible people. And um, leaving films, I did a couple of films that I got to be a credit for and see myself in the credits. That's a goal that's from childhood type of thing and even to work with you Tony and us being in certain environments has been really great so far and there's more to come with that but in general to the dream and um, I remember being really small and lying to people about what I wanted to do but innately knowing that's why I don't underestimate children they're really smart they don't have the experience but they're really smart and this is why they should be protected because they possess a lot of special qualities that a lot of adults get stolen from them and that's why they have a hard time keeping it real because their inner child is like offended somewhere yeah 
And also, a lot of times people don't really know how to listen to kids. Like people don't know how to listen to kids either. Kids need interpreters. You know, like for example, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a Jedi, right? Yeah, but you are a Jedi, though. So that's the ironic thing. Well, the, the funny thing is that I think what I meant by that is that you know I like to pretend running around the house like I have a lightsaber sword, and I'm you know going on an adventure. That just meant that I like going on an adventure. I like adventure. So what does that translate to now? It's like, yo, I write stories. Every story, in, in essence, is an adventure. So it's like, we, a lot of times we don't ever really disconnect. We just didn't sort of, we, we didn't understand how to, interpret. how to interpret that at the time. Right, it's like me opening up electronics in my house with a screwdriver to see what was in the back of it and all that really translated to was although I had the ability to make the class laugh and I took headshots as a teenager and a young adult and a child I did tap and was going into this as a performer way before high school um, I got getting a call back on what later became who's, uh, it was it was titled Whose Posse Is That? It later became Gangster's Paradise with Michelle Pfeiffer but getting that call back then, and it, that was like my second or third call back, and I didn't get the role as one of the main kids in the class, and saying to myself, I don't want to be on this end. So me opening up the radios in the house, <laughs> and not getting in trouble, by the way, but me opening up all the electronics in the house to see how things worked just meant I like to produce. Yeah. You know, that's what that meant. Um, and luckily, there were people around that were like, wait a minute, you entertain us in the living room. You entertain us at family situations. And the first thing that everyone knows is to be an actor. So that's that's the first thing. Right. And then one of my mom's business partners, was um, related to a really famous basketball player, said, why don't you, um, we need more of us back. And, you know, and I was already looking at credits. So that was already a thing. I was already looking at every credit of every show. And, like, you know, I'm seven and I know who Dick Wolf is and, like, Carol Burnett and Benny Hill and you know and Casey Warner and all these people who are producers and it's like why does a child know that? But my grandmother honored that and she would sit at the theater with me and just watch the credits. She knew that was that was what it was. The movie was one thing, but then to see who was a part of it from the AD to the grip to the gaffer, and then leaving out of high school and just a series of events that my life took. I got to industry because I got fired from being a dog walker. <laughs> so my whole point to even get to the gym is like the jobs that I've gotten fired from have been jobs that are not a part of what my passion is anyway. Yeah. You know, so so I get fired as being a dog walker. This is why also it's good to have the right people around you because you can get fired from somewhere and there's no one in your house to break down to you that when one door closes, another one opens. Immediately, you go into your feelings and you feel sorry for yourself. And there's no one to say, whoa, 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 okay, take the moment. But just know, something better is coming. This is just how the universe works. That's a part of the trust that you develop as an adult for things. Because even if you lose confidence in yourself, at some point, you have to go back to trusting your accomplishments and mm -hmm. how you got from point A to point B. So with that said... Um, you know, I get fired as a dog walker. <laughs> then my mom's friend is cousins with this dude that owns this extravagant 
photo place. And the only thing everyone was telling me, Madonna has her birthday parties there. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Like, <laughs> it's legit. And, you know, like, it's a legit spot. But I didn't react to it the way everyone telling me was reacting to telling me about it. And then I go there and, you know, I get the job. Not just because I know someone, but because I do do the work and present myself properly. But then I spent four years there, even deeper into, like, the business of the business. Like, it's a photo studio. W, Mary Claire. Everyone's shooting there. The Gap is shooting their campaigns there. It's Walter Chin, the coolest Jamaican Chinese guy I've ever met on the planet, driving his Ferrari up the <laughs> ramp. You know, I'm like 18, 19. And, yo, this is... Seeing, like, all these celebrities, all these people that... Prior to that, the only person that I saw was Method Man and David Z. One day when we were all on Broadway. Because we used to always walk from the school all the way down into the village. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're right there on Broadway once yeah. you hit the block. So yeah. it's like, okay, we're, we're going to walk down. And that was a cool experience because that was more... I was used to coming into the city anyway with my, my friends from the block. But, like, that was, like... We were on we were on foot. Because when I was younger, when I was in high school, when we did get into the city, it's my older friends from the block, but we're driving. See, my cheap ass was using the, the train pass to get to the village. I wasn't even trying to walk. I I, I was trying to take advantage of the MTA since back then. Yo. <laughs> I was like, right, I'm, take, I'm taking an N train to A Street. Right. See you guys there. See you, <laughs> see you guys one stop. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. So then that journey at Industrial, I actually got let go there too. But that's a funny story because that's actually a story about learning how to be humble. <laughs> And, you know, I was telling the story to someone, the growth, growing up, learning how to be humble, always had a bit of an edge to me and, and a boldness and assertiveness and a confidence. But when you're young, you have a lot of that and you don't know when to shut it off. And so, like, I was doing my thing working there, like, just the list of what you have to do as a front desk associate. I covered it to task check 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 that's done that's done everything's packed everything and then by time everything starts you got to be sitting there but like my job's done like i did everything already you know but the rule was you don't read magazines i was very blatant about and then i was also friendly with a lot of people but that's because that's my personality that has nothing to do with like i'm trying to defy it was how i handled it that was more defiant but you can't help that either because I was given a pass while somebody else was trying to block me out. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I can't help that I'm cool with these people. You know, right. you talk about groups of people. That's life. You know, one thing that high school did teach me, going to H Labs taught me, is like, there are all these different groups. And it was small enough to get to know everybody. And I didn't necessarily hang out with every group. But you can go into every group and say hello. Even if people, some groups don't even like you, yeah. they'll still say hello to you. You know, it's like... So, and at the same time, taking full um, gratitude of being able to explore the things at that level that I wanted to do, because Industria opened me up to getting my first job with 
um, on the Hard Knock Life, which was it, which was like a pseudo job because like they were very gracious to like let me in, and then it's funny because then I ended up like being in the Marcy Me video off the Four 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 album, so that's just really funny. But for that first video, Hard Knock Life video, I was behind the scenes watching all this magnificent stuff going on and being like, yo. I've always wanted to, you know, this yeah. is what I would, you know, this is what I would to NYU for. Because at that point, now I was at NYU. And, you know, that was like, this is what I'm here for. Like, I'm learning this. I'm using film. I, you know, I know what, they know what I'm doing. As well as partying a lot. Because now I'm at, like, all these cool industry parties and learning that world and getting right into what I love to do and then that going from there to Vanilla Sky and then all these other Hollywood movies. And then, but having that journey, because what is that? That's just me trying to process where I'm at because it's where I manifested to be. But it took, but I was scared. Like all those jobs, I, I just was terrified always to go in and try to get the job even though it was entry level, still representing myself and being like, you are here. Like, yeah. you have to do this now. Like, so they ask you a question. Why do you want to be here? What do you, why do you want to make Hollywood films? What do you want to do? It's like, oh, well, yes, I'm certain of that. This is what I, you know, and then showing up. And then that being a really dope experience because movies are magic. Yeah. You know, to get a, a film from a script to getting a crew together and it coming off to get a cast together and it comes off and then you can share that with so many people. That's why I enjoy doing it. And what better place to see how it's done at the highest level that it could be done. It's on a world stage and this is this budget and these are these actors that I grew up watching. And all right, here I go get to I get to work right alongside them and talk to them at the craft service and so it was part dream and part when I mean dream I really mean a dream. Mm-hmm. Like I would tell you stories like yeah, tell you this is what's going on. This is a, look at what they're and like you know as a as all those cool hip hop and Hollywood parties were. I always remember you learned how to drink with me. I did, <laughs> and, and so that's another yeah, thing. Yeah, me, kid. So that's another thing, right? After films, after films, it's like. Yo, after films, it goes straight into... I get into the music industry. And I take the opportunity because... I was the girl that had write-on magazine clip-outs of everyone... Who's everyone in the 80s hip-hop. 90s hip-hop. So, what do I... What do I look like not embarking on... Now, two things that are immediate. Three things. One, working with my favorite genre of music. Music that's inspired me. Even though I didn't grow up in, like, the hood. Every, like... To me, Jay-Z... Yo, this is the... To go back real quick, to me, Jay-Z, I was such a nerd. I was like, I'm from Brooklyn. I'm, you know, I'm 19. I want to direct your music video I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about I just you know but I do I listened to Reasonable Doubt when it came out forever and it skipped and he came down and asked after he autographed it he came down and asked can he listen to it and I, my heart skipping the whole time because I'm like <laughs> it skips in my headphones yeah. 
when I'm walking from Rector Street to the school. <laughs> I don't know. I hope this plays through for this guy. And then that that was you know that night was bugged that that was a bugged out day too because it was actually I it felt good because I actually got this because you can't really when you're so first of all in any environment in, in the industry there's a level of professionalism. I'm not friends with these people, you know, but there is sort of also a, a limit to your fandom of it. But I remember waiting. I've always felt things out. I'm not like gonna and just sit in environments I don't belong in, but always just like surveyed it. They were watching the Biggie performance at the Palladium with Tupac. Mm. That was what was, and I was like, you know, just because that was the height of everything in New York being super fly and super dope. And I remember not even caring, but really thinking like how dope it was that both of us were still in the city out of everyone who sort of left to go away to college. Yeah. I thought that was really dope. And just that vibe and that was the beginning of... Anyway, that's... But that thing, you know, where now you're getting the opportunity to produce something, which is a magazine. It's in hop. It's in hip hop, which is your favorite genre. And there's a writing component, which you, I like to do. I'm not a writer on your levels, but I like to write articles and things like that, right? And then I get to produce content and manage it. And that just completely was just like the ultimate, like, I have to do this. But that came with some struggles, too. I was going to say, that would be stressful. Well, because, yo, this is how I get into, like, the fitness world because I'm taking a part-time job at a sports club, right? Because there's not a lot of money coming in as it would be on a Hollywood film. And here's the thing. I remember writing a letter to Lauren Michaels saying that I wanted to be on SNL. This was back when it was... 227 Golden Girls Empty Nest that whole lineup and I struggled to watch (laughs) at least the first half hours SNL but falling in love with it back then and I remember writing a letter to him in elementary school and yo I literally had an opportunity to work on SNL in the accounting department or Star Blow magazine what the fuck you go from that's a check every week no right. doubt, nice size check. I wrote a letter to Lauren Michaels, like, how do I not take the job at SNL and work in accounting? I take this opportunity to work in hip hop. But again, very subtly not understanding. It's part of my wellness mm-hmm. because I don't regret taking that route because it's a, music is a huge part of my life. So for me, that was an experience that my soul needed. Yeah, you wouldn't. Have, you wouldn't. Have, I mean, that accounting job is would have been great, but you know, wouldn't have, you wouldn't have been to the places that you've gotten to see. You wouldn't, know? and it's not easy. I'm not speaking that like it's so easy to honor those things because what comes that are like sometimes some emotional distress. Yeah, because you're, you're still we're living in a society where you have to pay for things. You need money, but being happy, you learn. I've learned through those journeys is the course of what it is because I got to work with some of my favorite artists like straight up like and that's something that cannot you can't I've met people I'm 
I've become friends with people that I've listened to that were on my wall. Yeah. You know, and that's really cool because to me it all goes back to the art. The fame part is what I learned when I at Industria. That prepared me for the Hollywood set. New York's Hollywood sets. You know, like that produ- that pre- prepared me for what A-listing is because that was a different environment from hip hop, of course. Um because there's 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 etiquettes in both arenas, but they're different etiquettes. Yeah. So those experiences were awesome. And that's a part of mental health. But again, uh didn't come without nights of like, why am I choosing to do this? Why did I go this route? The deep, deep regret. What is going on? <laughs> but then being like, yo, do it. You can do it. Right. So thank you, Tony, for being with us again. This was great. Did I say that? I'm thanking you and probably go to a break and come back again. <laughs> You know how that do, but thanks, Tony, for being. It's amazing. And we're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. So we um. We're gonna get into uh. We get back to transcendental. 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 TM. TM. TM for short. Meditation. With uh, so whose podcast is this? With J. Anthony Roman and myself, the Millennial Hippie. By the way, uh, if you're on IG, please go follow uh, My Wellbeing TM and whose podcast is this? And hit the subscribe button on here if you like what you hear. We have four episodes in, this is the fifth episode. And I'm with my favorite guy on the planet. One of many. I don't have actually that many. I'm not trying to play nobody. I'm just saying. <laughs> there's levels to who brings you the proper mental health in your relationships with people. One of my favorite guys, J. Anthony Roman, went to high school together. He's a writer. He's a really dope writer. Um, is Scarface, real quick, to get into the mm-hmm. meditation, is Scarface going to be up for people to see somewhere? Uh, right now, I'm still just waiting because it, it hit, you know, hit the the festivals that it did. I'm waiting. Shout for... out to those festivals. T- talk <coughs> about yourself. Yeah, uh, this summer. This is your time to be social. Yes, this summer, Scarface, which is an eight minute film I made at NYU, which produced is... by me. Yes, produced by Alexis Hargrove. Um, so it's the last film you make at NYU before you make your final. So it's called your intermediate film. Um, that's cool. Like a lot of these films that that are made in the, you know on this intermediate level like don't necessarily get into that many festivals. Um, not that mine got into like that many, but three is pretty good for like an eight minute film that cost me you know eight hundred bucks to make. I'm pretty happy about that. Who's in that? Shout out to Victor Almanzar is in it. Who's you know a great friend of ours that goes back to the Cat Youth Theater days um, and has blown up uh, himself as an actor. Uh, Vanessa Diaz is in that. Uh, also back to Cat. And her daughter is in it, uh, Claudessa. Yes, generation. Yep. Uh, Mel Nieves is in that too, from the uh, you know from Labyrinth Theater Company. Um, so yeah, that's that's a great little project that you know we've had, um, you know some some level of uh, you know indie indie success with as far as you know couple couple little theater a uh, couple little film festivals. Um, but yeah, that's the BLVD, Dominican Film Festival. Um, and the HBO Latino Festival, which was that that last one was the biggest one, um, and then yeah, that was that was a pretty cool experience this summer. Um, 
So yeah, that was that was a uh, that was Scarface. And you think that um, oh yeah, TM, TM got you to Scarface. Uh, I definitely. Uh, you just asked me when it's gonna be when people can see it. Oh yeah, that's right. After I hear back from some of these festivals, I got an offer from Bronx Net to to run it. Uh, so once it's done with the festivals, I run it on Bronx Net for a while, and that's gonna be available for everyone online. Um, and then after that, I'll probably just put it on Amazon and iTunes and stuff, so people people can get to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Good work, Tony. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Part man. of that. Yeah, yeah. We we. You, you, had, you did great, and we had, we had fun in that project. Um, so TM, yeah. So transcendental meditation is just that, you know, sort of like trans- transcending where you're at, you know, in that moment to the next moment, you know, as, as you're meditating. So you sort of like go somewhere else. Um, you know, your focus is not, you're not focused on anything. You're focused on sort of just not focusing on actually, you know. Isn't that the the paradox of life? Like stressing over something that isn't actually anything. Yeah, the main rule of TM is just sort of like you have to sit down. You have to close your eyes. You have to try to let go. But you don't try. Because your brain is not made to shut down. Your brain is never going to shut down. Mm-hmm. You know, transcendental med- meditation is actually a way to sort of like, you know, let these stresses come to the top. And, you know, so those stresses don't manifest in reaction, you know, per se. Right, because you want to you be able to respond in life, not react. Right. So, NTM, you know, look, it's... You have to sort of find a balance of like, all right, you can't actively be, be trying to think of something. You know, I, you know, it's sort of like you, you sit there and you just sort of let the moment happen. You know, your brain goes is going to go somewhere. Once you realize it's gone somewhere, you just sort of like gently nudge it back to going nowhere. Your brain will eventually go back to somewhere else. Doesn't matter. Just the fact that you're in this act. So to try to nudge your consciousness to someplace sort of in the middle is that's having health benefits. You know, you're practicing, you know, you're actually releasing a lot of stress. You know, you can have memories that, that you haven't had in a long time come up during transcendental meditation, you know, because you're relaxing the sort of part of your brain that's dealing with what, what's in front of you. And you're giving it. You're giving your brain the opportunity for other things to come up. In your subconscious mind. Yeah. Yeah. You do it for 20 minutes at a time, two times a day, six hours apart. Um, you don't necessarily. You don't need to. You need to sit. That's it. You, know, you can't lay down at first. You know, after your 20 minutes is done, you do have a three-minute like time where you, you know, sort of put the meditation down, and you can lay down for that. But the main rule of meditation is, you know, you sit, you close your eyes, and that's pretty much it. Um, you don't have to put your fingers in any way or cross your legs. You know, you can, but it's not, it's not required. Um, yeah, you know, and I mean, there, there are tons of, of, you know, as far as the mechanics on how it works. Um, you know, I, I'm not... I've sat through the courses, right. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not right. like you're I'm not point master. enough. Yeah, I'm not master, master enough to explain. 
but it's there. Um, and for you, what what did you start to see in correlation to? And then I want to get into some of the things that I introduced you to in, in massage yeah. that I was learning while we were going on. Um, of course, while I was in school, I never actually got to work on you because when you're in school, you can't work on anyone yeah. outside. Um, you have to be licensed to work on anyone. I take that very seriously because um, it's a profession to be respected because it's almost like sorcery in some ways because you are helping to heal people you're not the one healing but this is massage and tm and meditation and qigong and yoga they're all intertwined so i would love to know so tm and what did you start to see if you don't mind sharing you know with after doing tm or while you were practicing tm and then let's go into i also throw in there that around the time i started uh, meditation i also started yoga uh, just okay. going to to do that on a regular basis um, because of you know what it does for the circulation um, and how that helps release you know sort of you know release stress yeah um, and also the physical benefits of it as well you know I enjoy that too um, so through that in the mix you know as well as like meditation you know sort of like you know becoming a vegetarian. Um, sort of uh, trying to release as many toxins out of the things that I do and consume. Um, and I'll also throw in there as well, it's like, just, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm sober. Right. <laughs> For example, you know, uh, you know, I drink, you know, I, I, I use marijuana. Um, you marijuana! Know, those, are, those are coping mechanisms too. Um, yeah, depending on how one is using them. Right, right. Um, Which that's a whole other topic because that's yeah. part of the reason why people don't like the, the idea of marijuana being legalized in a lot of ways. But I think there's a difference. Anyway, yeah, we'll go in that in no time. But. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, one thing that I can tell you as far as, like, you know, results are concerned is that you, it's not a thing that it's not a thing where you're going to be like, oh, I have results. You know, oh, there, you know, there's yeah, I, there's those are the five pounds that I've been waiting to lose. You know, my double chin is gone. You know, these aren't those aren't the kind of results that happen with this kind of stuff. It's subtle. Now, it took me a while to sort of like see benefits, but I did start to realize that you know, like these things started become a routine in my life. You know, and it's a routine that felt better. You know, than other routines. Um. So, you know, I, I got into my thesis project, which is my final. Um, you know, and by that point, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't employed. Right. So I'm unemployed. I'm about to enter, you know, my my, my final semesters at NYU. I'm about to have to produce a film, you know, while being unemployed. Right. Um, so, you know, while being sort of like an outsider, you know, in in university. Right. Uh, to a certain degree. Um, well, to a big, a bigger degree, I would say, actually. Right. Um, and that that counts because you know to 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 make these films happen, you sort of have to have people on your side. Right. Uh, to to make them happen for you, if you're not paying people. Um, so all that this is a cauldron of stress for me. Um, things happening outside of school in my life. But one thing I can say is that a I didn't punch any walls. That's good. You know, and there are there are some major times, when, you know, during the process of making this last film that, you know, awful things happen. I lost the venue, you know, I lost an entire like, uh, 
you know, entire set. Right. Um, that I had to quickly replace. I gotta say, during this entire process of making that film, like, I didn't reach the levels of despair and darkness that I had, you know, while working on these these other projects that I ha- I've had in the past. Yeah. You know, every project I've had in the past, there was a point where things got extremely dark, which just started reflecting, you know, I felt like it was reflecting on me as a person. Mm. And my life trajectory where you know this is turning to shit because that's what i am right right you know which is the which is which is again that mental health and setting the proper boundaries right. and having the right perspective on you know setting the setting the proper boundaries and having the right perspective on what is yours to do what's really out of your control to do and what you have to trust to be done and who you may have to delegate or trust things to you know, yeah. because that's all a part of keeping your stability. Because, yo, honestly, and I learned this on the set, what we do is not even rocket science. Like, right. film and art and entertainment is a relief for those that need a, an escape from something. Uh, as an artist, you're, you're escaping and telling stories from your visions, and then as a person consuming it, you're, you're escaping your reality for the moment. At the end of the day, it's it's not we're not saving any lives from a very practical perspective. But sometimes the darkest material, the darkest mood, sets the most prettiest art. Mm-hmm. So, was that also part of your anxieties with transitioning a little bit into or recognizing certain things because maybe um, certain habits? do breed certain some of these projects that are yeah yeah because you know it's it's definitely i think definitely having like this stuff is definitely having an impact on my on my work you know but as i mentioned i think a lot of you know a lot of my work had come from you know dealing with my trauma um and now i think i'm willing to sort of like explore more you know where it's like you know, you, you you get to a place where you know you sort of realize that it, it shouldn't really all be about it shouldn't be about you, mm. you know, completely. Mm. Um, where it's like, you know, sort of in this last film, where the character is sort of dealing with you know heartbreak, you know, so it's like, all right, that's what this character is dealing with. How does it service the audience? You know, so you start looking at things and making those connections. Right. Um, and you start sort of focusing your work towards that. Right. Going forward. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it's it's sort of finding, like, the balance of, like, all right, so, look, maybe I'm not as miserably depressed every single day. Right. You know, that's going to have an impact on my work, and it has. You know, where my characters nowadays, you know, like... All of them aren't miserably depressed. You know, right. all of them aren't drug addicts. Right. You know, all of them aren't alcoholics. Um, I still love to sprinkle all that stuff in my work because right. it's reality and it's what I know. Right. But, um, yeah, you know, like, it, it actually helps with exploration. Um, it can actually broaden your, your, your form. Um, you know, I, hey, you know, I loved for years and I still love going out and being in a bar till six o'clock in the morning 
Yeah. You know, I used to do that a lot more times <laughs> in the week than I Shout do now. Shout out to grassroots. Shout out to grassroots in every Irish bar in the city. In every Irish um, bar in the city. And yeah, you know, so like that's where my characters used to live. You know, that's who my characters used to be. You know, now it's like, all right, you know that, you know the underbelly. You know, you know, you, you know, you know, you know the drug dealers. You know the drunks. You know, you know, you know the the addicts. You right. know, that's cool. Right. Um, but you know, there's there's a lot more there's a lot more weird to explore. Right. So, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely like worries me some, you know, it's like, oh, your stuff is different now. Is it as good? Maybe it is. I don't know. You know, but how do you feel is the most important part? Well, the most important part to me is that, you know, you really can't stay in one place forever. Right. So if it's changing, that's got to be good. Yeah. So now I'm aware that you've had some polarity sessions and some shiatsu and yeah you've had have you had a massage before um i have i had a massage so i had one in mexico um that you know felt definitely more sort of like less spiritual just more sort of like muscle relaxing okay that's good yeah how did you feel with the other those the, the massages i just mentioned polarity and shiatsu those are different modalities yeah. um Shiatsu's meridian work. I discussed that a little bit last um, episode. Polarity is more energy work, working with chakras. Did you want to speak a little bit? Well, we did uh, to the to the to the folks. Um, like well, yeah, you told me about the polarity stuff. Um, so I went and I did one of those sessions. Yeah, and it was interesting. Um, as far as like, you know, I, that's one thing where I think you need probably more than one session. Right, to get a full scope. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting, like, sort of seeing sort of the, uh, sort of, like, shifting colors and stuff. You know, what happens, like, sort of when, like, what happens during the session. And how it's funny because, you know, what felt effective to me was that you do sort of reach a state of relaxation in the same way that that one does during a massage. So Mm -hmm. even though you're not getting sort of, like, physically manipulated, um, there is... You know, there's definitely a feeling that something, you know, is getting manipulated. Yeah, right. Because, yeah, so for the people at home, polarity is not like a Swedish massage, which you can Google for visuals. Um, What polarity is more like, there are certain points that are being touched, but they're for purposes, if I can remember how I was taught this, because I still have some more studying to do um, in all areas. That doesn't ever stop. You can't say that you know everything in this. This is an, the body and, and nature and correlations and healing and helping other people heal is a long process. Um, it's As long as you're alive, you should be studying sort of thing. But there are certain, there are points in where you can touch the client. Um, but for the most part, yeah, it's all energy work. And then you, you had a, a shiatsu session. Like, was that like a full or no? Yeah, I don't. You know, this the shiatsu. Oh, wait, yes, yes, yes. I did have a full, like, shiatsu massage. Which is another thing that you're clothed, as opposed to being yes. in Mexico and getting a Swedish massage and being... Uh, and for the, for the record, massage, again, means, you know, muscle manipulation. That's what it means. So, shiatsu, though, is still clothed like a polarity. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was cool. That to me definitely felt, you know, like, you know, I mean that that was that was more physical, right? Because it's like touching, it's like yeah. points, yeah. yeah, going up points or going down points. Yeah, I mean, I just really enjoyed that, you know, and sort of like the way like it makes you feel, feel it makes you feel good. Yeah, it makes you feel like certain certain things are getting opened. Um, so yeah, that was that was a good that was a cool experience. Yeah. Yeah, she had to do this with the elements, so it's like fire, water, metal, uh, water, wood. Yeah. And those how those correlate to the body and what points are where and doing a horror evaluation, doing a back evaluation to see where a person is at and then drumming up a treatment that's based on either this person has excess water and they can't sleep, their bones hurt, you know. That's usually that's usually a sign of water and the shiatsu sort of deficiency. And there's so shiatsu deals more with like what's deficient and what's too excessive in the body. Whether it be you're so organized, you're so metal jitsu um, that uh, you're unbalanced in these other elements. Fire being like relationship based and immune system, and then. Uh, like I said, water is mainly bones, and wood deals with your muscles, and metal deals with your lungs and your large intestines, and digestive is earth and spleen. Vomiting would be spleen, because spleen is ascending. Hmm. That's what happens when you vomit. You, stomach would be descending in terms of body work, because um, you digest your food after you eat it. It goes yeah. down, so... Yeah, that's what he means by opening up. Like, these points are hitting different places, which also, I'm sure, helps. And and here, that's the thing. All this is very subtle. Like, none, none of what we're discussing, one, happens overnight, and two, is so blatant. And this is why it's important to <coughs> really monitor your environment and take inventory as to who you're around and... One thing I can, can't stress enough is you have to know that you can like people and love people, but you can't be around them, you know, because if, you know, in in Chinese uh, medicine, qi is the flow of energy. And um, I'm sure different cultures, grandmothers have different ways of saying this. In my family, it would be, um, they're called blessing blockers. And, you know, Chinese medicine is called stagnated chi. You know, um, I'm sure in Spanish there's a a word for stagnation or things that don't work if you're around the wrong situations, mm. the wrong elements, the wrong people. So these are things that are so subtle and basic, but they're real. So it's okay. It's okay if you like people, for the, these are for, I'm I'm speaking really for people like myself who, man, I used to struggle with that. Like, well, I don't want them to think it doesn't actually really matter. To be honest with you, I feel like as long as you're not disrespecting people, um, and if you may, you don't. Sometimes you may have offended people you don't know, so you know try to just take a universal approach to apologizing for the things that you may not be aware of that you may have made someone feel like. But ultimately, it is how you do feel so that you can do the best. And this is kind of what this 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 episode we're touching on is, you know, from high school to present day, honoring self. And what was honoring ourselves? Well, honoring me meant telling you that we're wearing the same jacket. 
<laughs> and then honoring yourself back was to represent yourself and say, no, that's not the case. You know, you're wearing a boy's jacket. <laughs> and then we further honor ourselves by accepting these opportunities to be in repertory, to be in cat. You, no matter how much the struggle may have been to produce these shows that um, a lot of people came to see, um, Fringe, I think, being my most... They all were great stuff, but I think Fringe, I felt like that was such a huge stage, <coughs> such a huge accomplishment, and the people who performed there, if you talk about like old Hollywood and old theater, to be a part of that sort of thing, and then to be at Lansky's, oh, man. you know, which is another part, and that's the cool thing about living in New York, is like, I don't know, I didn't have lived anywhere else, but how many historical places can you be a part of in one lifetime and new york seems to have a lot of that and how many historical places can you get drunk at and how many (laughs) historical places do you get drunk at and other things that you can't say on podcasts because people right no but i'm just i just say all i have to really say like the process and continuing to listen to your gut right and and man this is this is difficult this is challenging but i'm gonna get through it and then the victory, it's really the journey. It's not where... Like, it's cool to be in HBO Latino Film Festival. It's cool to have that on your resume to say because it's the epsilon of... You know, it's next to Tribeca. It's next to all the major ones, right? But anyone that sees you posting that or sees me posting that, just go, oh, that's just so easy. <laughs> and it's like, it's not... None of it is easy because it didn't. That didn't happen overnight. To be able to be in that situation doesn't that doesn't happen overnight. It is the how am I going to do this show? But I'm still going to do it because I have to honor myself. And then continuing to honor yourself. That's the whole thing. That's a part of well being. That's a part of mental health. Is doing the right thing that speaks to your soul. And like I know right now, I have a lot. Like, I have a long journey ahead of me, you know. You're just but, getting started. Yeah. But I would say this, like... But you've also come a long way. So don't forget, people, be kind to yourself and celebrate yourself and, 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 and you know... Yeah. Celebrate yourself every now and then. Yeah. And, like, yeah, the way before I used to, you know, like, really, like, what healing to me was, you know, drinking and drugging. And right. that's... Look, I'm not saying that I'm done with that, but I've also made room in my life for, like, other things, you know? Like... You know, meditation, like Yoda, like eat, like like eating right. So like, I gotta say this this path that I'm on right now, it seems a lot less darker than it was before, because of these things. Right, it's that balance. You gotta balance, right? Everything's yeah. about balance, and that's cool. When you're when you're young, you you do young things because when you're young, you have this idea that time is. I got to do this now. And it's cool because for a lot of us, it's given us the momentum that we need to be able to be in this space and say, I am now fully going to do with what really makes sense because now I completely understand a little bit more of myself and a little bit where I'm going. Um, but I also want to encourage people out there. Again, you're listening to whose podcast is this? Um, I want to encourage people to, if you're a parent, especially because... This is important. Don't lose sight of recognizing what what your children are into and honoring that as well so that you 
can help a generation of people skip a process of healing that they may not have to do if you don't put these weird pressures on people and rather just let them do support them in what they want to do and get them started and have real conversations like we watch Love and Hip Hop at times I mean I don't watch it as much anymore but make room to read a book too make room <laughs> to read a book to your children make room to have a real nothing wrong with any of this stuff because it is a part of a balance you want to be entertained and that's the purpose of these shows but Let's grow a generation of people who don't have to think that like certain behavior is normal, um, so they have to unlearn these things, but rather keep them honoring. Look, if there's a family member you don't like, stop going over to the house just because. You got to just understand that that doesn't help you at times. If there's a friend that you know that's not really being a friend, there's one thing to understand and have empathy and compassion for people, but then you got to realize how much you're giving to situations that you're not getting reciprocation of. Um, and it's good to have high school friends um, because those are your formative years, but you know, even those are not things that you need to uh, feel a way about because your friends should always know that you know, it's what it is. But everyone has to also realize what they're doing, right? So everything in this proper place in order, living the dream, Mental health affects men and women. Um, more men should actually know that, too. Everyone, therapy, let's just touch on therapy real quick. Therapy mm-hmm. is not a negative thing. I think um, people feel embarrassed by that. I remember I said that to someone in my DM. They laughed at something that I felt was a little, something things, something you just don't laugh at. Um, but it spoke to me on a much bigger scale. So I was just like, you ever thought about therapy and they never answered me the reason why I threw it out there wasn't the clown but was to just say like we have to stop thinking that there's no one out there to listen and most health insurance covers um some sort of psychiatric yeah psychology yeah so like yeah I mean I've I've been at therapy you yeah. know for a couple months now yeah. it's a fairly new thing to me I would say, no matter where you're at in life, I mean, you know, you kind of want to win, right? So, why not try to understand the situation as much as possible? And that's what therapy does. It helps you understand why you do things, you know, what's going on. Um, You know, that's the goal of it. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes you don't, you're not matched up with the best therapist. So you got to try to find a new one, you know. But, you know, the stigma does sort of have to end because I think the stigma is misplaced a lot of times. You know, I think even if you don't have something or you don't feel something maybe up inside you, you know, going to therapy would still be beneficial because no matter what, it's still making you understand how you perform in this world. Now, if there's something going on that you don't have to talk to anyone about except for the therapist. If, you feel, if, if, if you're listening to this and you do have some kind of feeling, no matter how deep inside, that you probably should feel that you want to talk to somebody about, then you definitely want to go do that. Because it's in your way. You know, and it'll, it'll remain in your way until you, you address it. 
And if you're not addressing it on a daily basis, you do need that help. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and and in terms of massage therapy too, there are the, there are massage therapists that work with um, other uh, mental health therapists, psychiatrists, and things like that. So there, 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 there are people out there to help you navigate the things that maybe you can't comprehend for yourself or struggling to comprehend because a lot of it is about perspective and a lot of it is and so one of the things that we taught in school in our PD class is uh, these type of trauma based situations where you could be massaging someone and they burst into tears and so a lot of times well for for one we're taught not to wear perfumes and have certain certain um, of these type of attractions because you don't know what you could be triggering in somebody who may be burying a trauma that they've had. So everyone's relationship to touch is very different. And the same goes for why some people, I guess, um, are, feel ashamed to go speak to a therapist is because maybe you grew up in a family where expressing yourself um, wasn't healthy or you're always shot down for those things or it's been clowned, you know. Um, and there's nothing wrong in, in for the community in which I come from as uh Native American, African American, Black, whatever. I don't. You, just, you guys just make up everything. It's annoying. Um, <laughs> you know, you pray, and praying has its place too. Um, but like, if someone has a trauma in your family, you you may be able to pray, but you should probably also talk to someone because those things get deeply buried. They get deeply buried, and this is what Tony's talking about, right? Where you don't address certain things, and certain, you'll be in a hamster wheel if you don't address it. The fastest way to get over how you feel about something is to actually address it. Um, and it may be painful for a second or two, or it may be painful for a year, but again, I think a lot of people don't have people that are around them to give them encouraging words that help them through it, and then... So yeah, the therapist is like one of the best places to be if you really want a neutral ear and feel yeah. like you'd be judged in some areas where you don't really want to completely share. I mean, every insurance company has it, so it's not like it's cut off or it's some luxury. Same thing with massage. You go to medical massage office, insurance companies do comply with that as well, but in general to wellness. Yeah. Don't be ashamed. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's not just... Every day, you know, health, you know, it, it impacts your professions, you know, like the, the, the professional reasons were, were the reasons that made me go to therapy. Yeah. Like I knew I'm about to step into my final semesters at school. I got this film to make, you know, I'm stepping into, you know, a shark, you know, well, I, I'm swimming with the sharks. Right. You know, uh, I don't want to have a nervous breakdown. While I'm doing this, because I need to do it, I need to finish this film, and I got a lot, a lot of things standing against me. I know I'm not unique, so there's, there's, you, everyone has things that they're, they're going against. So if you can get some assistance with that, or guidance rather, you know, because it's not assistance. That that implies that you know you're you're getting something. It's a handout or something. It's guidance. You know, it's it's mental guidance. And you know you take what you you take what you want from all these things that we're talking about. 
That's that's the whole point of all these things. It's not you know not everything that we discuss tonight is is not going to work for everyone. You know, listen. Yeah, like I'm not I'm not I'm not a huge yoga person, but I I have done yoga, right? So that's not necessarily part of my thing. I enjoy qigong and yeah, it's, yeah. it's a conversation piece because it's just getting people to be also like comfortable with being human. Yeah. We're too disconnected from we're too material about things and so this is whose podcast is this? Appreciate you listening in. This is a longer, a little longer episode, but yeah, I hope you don't we'll, mind. We'll talk about yeah, everything. Love to have Tony back. Um, and it's time. So yeah, whose podcast is this? Email us at whose podcast is this at gmail dot com. W h o s podcast is this at gmail dot com. Um, follow us on Instagram. Whose podcast is this? On Instagram, follow the magazine. Well, being me, be on the star. Did I say that right? Me, be on the star. I'm yeah. practicing my. It's, it's great. Me, be on the star. Yeah, that's um, how I would say it. That's how. That's how Tony would say it. <laughs> you heard? So, yo, we out. You hear that truck in the back? You probably hear that truck in the back. If you don't, it's blow up spots. Good, New York baby. New York baby. Whose podcast is this? Thank you for listening and see you next week.